Guys, how are you? We are actually, uh, as Tiernan mentioned to us a couple of seconds ago, we're now done more podcasts over Skype in our bedrooms <laughs> in the past 11 weeks now, I think, than we actually uh, yeah. have done in, in, in our person. home studio. <laughs> what a time to start a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> we, picked it, we picked the right year, didn't we? Yeah, yeah there's just... no new movies coming out. The movie industry <laughs> is crumbling. and we're, We literally we're can't go podcast. cinema. <laughs> Cinemas might never ever come back. <laughs> Although I, yeah. I will say I saw um, that movies at Swords shared a little picture there um, on Facebook the other day, and it was just like behind the till, and they were like important meetings going on this week about reopening. So you know we might be able to go by the end of summer. So well, I mean, like are... the, yeah, we we talked about this already. Had a horrible germ filled hellhole. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't even know. I don't even know if I'd want to. Yeah, yeah, I, I think, don't want to ever get in the dart again. I don't want to get in the oh, dart. No. I don't want to go I'm, fucking anywhere with people. Transport. You know yeah. what would be the worst though? Imagine if you were like one of the cinema cleaners who's like sweeping up the popcorn oh, after man. everyone's been in nah, the cinema. Po- popcorn yeah. will no longer be a thing at the movies. Yeah, I suppose I suppose snacks in the movies. Think about your grubby yeah, hands in the popcorn. All the grubby hands. Like, have you seen how they scoop it up? They just pick up the box and just scoop it into yeah. that big yeah. machine. And yeah, the butter horrible. dispenser. The butter dispenser. <laughs> that thing is seen. I think it's better cursed. days. Like they'd find the cure on the fucking nozzle of that thing. And like all of the popcorn, especially at movies at Swords, it's like the end of the popcorn. Oh, it's all yeah. broken, yeah. little scraggly. <laughs> Their entire hole. popcorn machine is just filled with the bottom of the popcorn box. I don't know how they do it. Like, surely it's easier to make regular popcorn than the bottom <laughs> than of the popcorn box. <laughs> it's been there a while. Is. It actually has been ages since I've been to the cinema because I, I haven't really been going. Like What's pre-pandemic, is, is... obviously I haven't been going, but pre-pandemic. I kind of I was slacking. Like I think I the I, last film you saw was Uncut Gems. Last Am film I, right? I saw was Uncut Gems at the Lighthouse. Yeah. Wow. And, oh, Jesus. What, how do I know them? And and I think our... that was February. That was probably February. So that was our and that was our second podcast. When you yeah. think about it, well, like our second official one that we released. And my last movie, unfortunately, was The Fucking Invisible Man. Yeah, I wish I could say it was something good. That. Like. I God watched the uh, YMS's video on that, and like he basically just fucking tore the tore the movie apart. But it then was not other people like have liked said it. That it's quite other good, people liked so. it. Other people liked it. I don't, know. I don't get it. It's just Remember a person's that film opinion. I... <laughs> Remember that film I talked about? It's actually relevant today. So we're doing foreign language films today. But the last film I saw was a foreign language film called End of Century. Oh yeah. About, like, Spanish, a Spanish gay couple wandering Barcelona, and it was just awful as well. So. <laughs> just the most pretentious think, thing ever. Yeah, Jack got off the best one, and he could have just watched it on Netflix. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. I, I, I saved myself like three days. I was like, yes, I'm going to see this before everyone. <laughs> Boys, don't mind me for a sec. I'm just changing my seat. It's super squeaky. Yeah, no okay, worries. Well, uh... Uh, so we started off with the usual movie news, which is getting quite thin at the moment. Yeah, but, we're, um, we're scraping the bottom of the barrel here, folks. So yeah. <laughs> well, Fred Willard um, unfortunately died. So a uh, very yeah. famous comedy actor, Anchorman, Modern Family. Mm-hmm. God, that's scraping the bottom of the barrel. <laughs> no, 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 not this, not this, not this. <laughs> but, like, in general, the other, yeah, this is the biggest news of the week. Uh, but like, you'll you'll see some of the other news we're talking about. It's like Taco Atiti really was on FaceTime earlier. <laughs> <laughs> isn't it really <laughs> isn't it really sad though the way that we were only talking about fred willard on the podcast last week just last week about a, um space force is yeah. it space force space force that's gonna be his last project yeah, yeah which so. is a real pity and he was he was always 
a character that you just knew in the comedy yeah, in the comedy exactly. scene and he was always in everything and even though he might have only had a very small part he was always hilarious i loved him in anchorman always well, a welcome addition yeah always yeah. a welcome addition absolutely so it's a, it's a it's a real shame i wonder as well how like how how heavily he featured in in space force and will they will they give him a send-off in it if you know that proves to be a He's popular pretty... show He's pretty high up on the, on the casting. List. On the so casting. I'm kind of yeah. hoping that he's not a massive part, just for like for their own I mean, kind it, of the for himself, like yeah, and for Space yeah. Forces, yeah. kind of like continuity. But yeah, it will be nice. I suppose it's nice to see him like that. It, that he worked on something. Thing. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm so impressed by people as well that like he seemed to be the kind of actor that just worked and worked and worked. And I mean, if he was I mean, working he was right up to the end of his life, you know what I mean? It's really impressive. So yeah, R.I.P. Fred. Um, and also Lynn Shelton um, passed away this week uh, so she directed um, Your Sister's Sister oh of course uh, she, the she indie directed director Hump yes. Day. she directed the new uh, the recent release Sword of Trust um, so she unfortunately died uh, this week at the age of 54 so that's 54, very sad very young, um, very young Hump yeah. Day she starring did the morning of, show yeah she did, oh she, did, she did an episode of the morning show uh, which is very unfortunate and speaking of the morning show, and um, one of our favorite actors, Mark Duplass, uh, he was in her breakout movie, Hump Day. So, yeah, it's very sad news. Uh, looked like she was, you know, really, really on the way to, to big things. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Big and and things. you guys you guys couldn't get enough of the morning show and the talent that was yeah, behind that. So, it's, uh, yeah. that's a she real was, She also directed an episode of Till Death, Ian. Remember, we were talking about that last oh, week. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. God. Yeah, she, see, she seems to be just everywhere on television. Yeah, yeah. God. That's really sad. You know what she died of? It wasn't COVID. It wasn't COVID, uh, I, was it? Or... Uh, I will find out now. I, 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 I didn't see that, to be fair, in the, in the headlines. I didn't see yeah, that. Yeah, so but I don't I think, think they are yeah. mentioning that. Um, yeah, true. Yeah. I don't think her family mentioned anything. It's just kind of... Mm. Mm. Well, it's a pity. It's a it's a shame on the, the entertainment industry in any way, especially when you see someone that's kind of working on a lot of a lot of good things a and lot kind of, of things, has yeah. more, it, more it, to it, offer. It wasn't COVID. It was an unidentified blood disorder. Oh God! So no, that's all complications. Oh, what a shame! What a shame! So it's, it, it's been a sad it, week um, for the entertainment industry. It, on it top has, of yeah, the industry has. collapsing in on itself as it is, but well, at least but Matrix new, Four is beginning <laughs> shooting again. <laughs> oh God! Please. I don't know. I don't know why you're laughing about that. That's just brilliant news. Keanu Reeves. <laughs> <laughs> like I can't get enough of Keanu Reeves. Like there's not too much you can give me. Well, yeah, I have. Um, I I have to say. It's amazing watching Keanu Reeves have such a prolific career, considering he's not that good an actor. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. He, he really has, hopped on that meme trend. He has weathered, he the, weathered the storm, I must say. He's found his niche, he though. Did. He just knows now. I mean, he, he seems like a really nice guy, as everyone knows. He's one of these nice guys in Hollywood. And I think he just knows, I'm just going to make action movies because and like the odd comedy, because like they suit me. But I heard as well, do you remember he got so much uh, flack because he was in that Dracula movie with um, Gary Oldman and a few other stars. And uh, the movie was a complete flop and Keanu Reeves was absolutely terrible in it. But apparently Gary Oldman was incredible in it like because he's such an amazing actor like yeah and they were they were asking him about it and they were like look the movie flopped everyone made fun of keanu's performance in it and gary oldman was like oh man he was like he's such a nice guy and he was trying so hard <laughs> so like he, hard. He, was, he wasn't even like oh it was a mess blah 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 he was like he was just so out of his death just like don't blame the movie on him he's such a good guy <laughs> like well that's speed is class speed is yeah, a great speed movie is class. speed is yeah, an excellent movie film. 
just out of interest, boys, I talk about Dracula. Is anyone else getting weird YouTube algorithms lately? Like, recently I've just been getting clips of, you know that Dracula Untold film on my YouTube? <laughs> <laughs> so they just come up and it's like two or three minutes of like a segment of Dracula Untold. And oh I have no God. idea why. Well, I'm, I'm not going to lie, I'm kind of digging it. Like, it's like kind of, <laughs> I've been slowly watching Dracula Untold in YouTube. In, in 30 second parts. <laughs> You'll have the whole movie done by next week. Well, that was Dra- Movie Dracula clips Untold are the worst was... thing ever. I hate right. fucking yeah, movie clips. Just fucking Dra- go watch the movie. Dracula Untold was go was was Universal dipping their toe in the dark universe water a little bit. They kind of it wasn't yeah, when it they'd was, officially they, announced yeah. that there was a dark universe, but they were like, "Oh, let's see if we can make a, a Dracula movie." And what was the other one as well? Oh, I Frankenstein or something or Frankenstein. Yeah, or, oh. yeah, I Frankenstein. <laughs> oh, good God. So um, another piece of news today is a, a trailer. I, I don't know if it just came out, but it recently came out for uh, Spike Lee's new Netflix film, The Five Bloods. Oh, yeah, I saw and that. And it looks great. It does look great. Like Jordan uh, Jordan Peele is in it. Jean Reno is in it. Oh, uh, Jean Reno! I have not seen Jean Reno in yeah, a- anything since, in a while. Since Godzilla. <laughs> since, since the Pink, <laughs> since the Pink Panther <laughs> remakes with Steve Martin. <laughs> Jesus, he is, he's a great I really actor. I like Spike though, Lee. Spike Lee uh, gets like love he's Spike a very he's love a very Spike kind of great. like I love him or hate him kind of director. But I I, I, th- I love him. I, think, I really enjoy his movies. I, I think as well that he obviously has a message in all of his movies, and he's been consistently at that for years, and that might bother people for some reason. But I'm like, that's his it's, whole thing. Like that's his thing. Yeah. he's always been that director. He, like, yeah, that's his thing. He's never overly like changed his tone of of like overarching message, but the tone of his films and the way he f- makes his films are always completely different. Completely different. Like, do you ever yeah. do you ever see that film Chirac about the Chicago violence? No. Like the black on black Chicago violence, and it's a musical, and it's phenomenal oh, compared wow. to like it's just it's just completely off base to like what you'd expect. And I think that's why like his kind of like political ideological films have gone so far is because they're all different. They're all so different, yeah. Even though, and, and yeah, because because that could get boring after a while. Like that could get exactly, exactly tired yeah. and kind of people could get exhausted with it. Because we were even talking th- about this with um, Bong Joon Ho, and he kind of is a little bit like that, where he has a bit of a political message in his movies. Yeah, but they're all just so different and so fresh that yeah, and exactly, they're yeah. just it takes so... a whole new different like um, dimensions of the whole issue. Yeah, and I think that's where like Jordan Peele get, I, I think Jordan Peele openly says that Spike Lee was a massive influence on you can him. see that you can see that I love Jordan time, Peele yeah. man Same, he's, he's gonna him. be he's gonna be a great director for years to come and uh, anyway. I, yeah, I just love him as, yeah. I just love him as a person like when you watch old Key and Peele skits he's they so just funny. don't get old so and funny, I'm just yeah, gonna say yeah. this now Key and Peele are incredible actors in the skits they are so yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah. good they're great they're great they are absolutely the, the amount of characters actors. they do like there must be what 10 yeah. seasons of that like. <laughs> of just amazing stuff like, just sketch yeah, after uh, sketch after sketch like it's most sketch shows like I don't know they're kind of very they run their course after a while yeah 100% y- kind of like like it's 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 universal humor for them. Like it's something everyone can find funny. Yeah, yeah. 100%. Like that Mitchell and Webb look is very kind of like it, it has some funny. Yeah, it's very yeah. specific. If you love Peep Show and you love like Mitchell and Webb, then you're gonna Which, you and know, like enjoy their humor. It. The, it's very specific. But some British of them, humor, some of them, like it's like what the fuck is this? But I, I always found that uh, uh, Key and Peele is really good. Yeah, uh, yeah, they're really universal. Well, I've uh, got a little bit of news here. It's nothing huge, but did you guys see? Were you fans of the Mad Max Fury Road um, prequel? 
prequel with uh, Tom yeah. Hardy. Did, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Love that. So massive fan. So See, I've seen it a weird amount of times. Yeah, I, I, I have to say it was it was one that blew me out of the water. I was kind of going to see it because my dad like loved the Mad Max franchise yeah. when they were coming out in the eighties, and then he like was like, we have to go see this, and then it turned out to be fucking incredible. But there, I'd never um, seen any of the older ones. Did you? Um, I'd seen the first one. The first one does not age well. The second one is uh, great. Uh, the Thunderdome. Th- yeah, yeah, they, yeah. They the the second and third one are very good. Watch the first one is just a bit of yeah, it's just a bit. Of, you can tell they just shot it on some Aussie road, like George Miller. Yeah, was it's just like, a load of Australians like <laughs> yeah, making these. <laughs> George it's Miller had like twenty thousand dollars at the time and was like, "Fuck it, just drive my truck into every car." <laughs> <laughs> we have Mel Mel Gibson. He's not even famous yet. But um, well, actually, this is a weird kind of fun fact. I'm going off the point, but the Saw movies were directly inspired by Mad Max because in Mad Max, there's a scene where Max chains a guy's arm to a car and there's guys that are on the way and he's essentially like, those guys will be here in five minutes. It should take you four to cut through your... uh, It'll take you six to cut through the chain. It'll take you four to cut through your arm and get away. And the James... uh, Lee Lee Wanell and James Wan saw that and were like, oh, let's write an entire seven-movie horror franchise about that. Yeah, so no, wait, no, wait, just, can you can out, you out i've never control. i've never really talked to anyone about mad max because i was very like i just came into mad max fury road without any like prior knowledge and you know how i love my yeah, universe yeah. lore is that is that prequel is that a, fury road's a prequel no so Hardy's max so essentially what i understand it was that it was a soft it's reboot. its own story it's its own story and it was kind of a continuation of the first three because they were going to cast mel gibson in it again and it was in whatever it was in production hell for so long that they decided to cast Tom Hardy instead, and they probably felt he'd have a better um, box office draw. And also, Mel Gibson, like may or meant like he's really moody, so you wouldn't know if he was going to be up for it or not. Like he was kind of expressing interest at the time. So I think they they did the first one, but obviously then they said they were going to make a Furiosa prequel then with um, Charlize Theron because she was kind of the the protagonist of fury road in many ways yeah she was and they've been talking about that but now apparently um that charlie steeron is definitely not going to return um as furiosa she had said she was going to get her own movie she's definitely not and now they're eyeing up um jodie comer you know from killing eve the uh, liverpoolian actress um they're eyeing her her up to to take over which is an interesting one because interesting She's definitely popular, and I think Jodie... I, I haven't really watched Killing Eve. I've seen one or two episodes. It's not really my thing, but Jodie Comer is definitely a very talented actress. Like, if you ever see her talk, she's, like, got the biggest Scouser accent ever, and then on Killing Eve, she's, like, full-on Russian. Like, she is a very, very talented oh, actress. Oh, that's cool. And, you know, she's... You know, she's... I mean, she's a will, good bit will younger she than Charlie's the Theron. Though? She probably would. I mean, if they pay her enough, <laughs> actors yeah, will do anything. I don't, know. I don't know why they're continuing it, though, if, if Charlize Theron won't I know, back. because she was so Charlie good. Stone. She was so, so good. In... It was so nice to see her in, in Fury Road, mm. yeah, because like, I, I just couldn't think of anything else I'd seen her good in since Monster. Uh, well, like, well she was... like Monster is obviously like her definitive movie. That's her. That's her film. Yeah, what, you know, like so. And Fury, and uh, to be fair, I think in Fury Road, it kind of showed her versatility as like an action yeah. actress. Do you know what I mean? She, but she remember looks she like she'd like... kill you. You know. I'm on her page style, here on IMDb, and it looks like she'd like come out in the Silk it, Road it after she's <laughs> fucking murdered me. Been like, 
thank God you're here. <laughs> she is a femme fatale. She does have that femme fatale look about her. But uh, that's what I love that's her in Blonde the, uh, too. That's oh yeah, Atomic Blonde. That's a guilty that's pleasure true, of mine because yeah. it's not a great film, but I, I do enjoy it. <laughs> but you enjoy Spe- it. Speaking of my guilty pleasures, uh, Percy Jackson series is heading for Disney. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Oh yes, Percy Jackson is the shit. I don't give a it's fuck. It's so what anyone not. Says. I don't know why. You I don't have to keep movies. rewatching those films. <laughs> um, well, the original one starred uh, Logan Lerman, who went on to be in one of my favorite movies, The Perks of Being a Wallflower. But unfortunately, yeah. his franchise series of the Percy Jackson ones didn't really strike a chord. I mean, they did have their fans though. I, mean, I they thought were... they were good. I, I, I really liked them. I them. think they're pretty good, well-made, like preteen movies. Yeah, I know? think the issue was is that Clash of the Titans came out at the exact same yeah, time. Yeah, what, what, like, what was going on there? And it was like between like the Chads and the Sims <laughs> and the Sims, who was Chad. watching each. So it was a split viewer base. But what? So, so what's the story with the TV series? What's going on there? Um, so it's just headed for uh, Disney Plus. Uh, so it, it's oh, it's, it'll be the book soon. series is you know huge or whatever. Um, but it, it's it's just like it's just news at the moment. It's not like there's no one cast or anything. But I mean that would be fucking great because the books are apparently really really good. Um, like it's kind of like what is it like Greek mythology? Mythology. Yeah, it's exactly. On, like, yeah, it's normal it's those, life or whatever. Yeah, so, like, the, it's, yeah, it's interesting. And yeah. like obviously the, the all the books are there, so they can take all the inspiration for that. Like I, I I'm gonna watch it when it comes out if it doesn't get and, into development. And, and you know what? I want I want Disney to start producing content f- specifically for Disney Plus that makes me want to keep subscribing to it. Like yeah. Yeah. it's grand that I have it for the year and I'm enjoying it and there's some good stuff there and I, I loved having the Mandalorian and all and you know the, the extra Star Wars content and stuff. But until they can prove that they're on the same par as Netflix with their their own well, and, they sh- and they should be because it's Disney. Do you know what I mean? Like they're the most well, powerful yeah, media like company ever. Money. They, exactly. Like we got the Loki series coming out. The That's one true. Series, yeah. The they also Winter have them. Um, I'll watch there, all of them. Is like. there any word <laughs> on the um, on the What If series that they're bringing out, where essentially they're gonna do episodic stories where they change the 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 stories of the Marvel universe? So they do a story where it says maybe What If Captain America died and blah blah blah, and they like will will do a, an entire hour long episode of that, and it'll just exist on its own contained story which i kind thought of like was... a parallel universe that'd be yeah, cool that's exactly. like and, an I thought, and, and i thought that was really kind of daring of disney to do because you know they're so by the book with their marvel stuff so i was like the what if series sounds very interesting i would 100 percent watch that like and like you got kenobi coming out remember that oh who's, yeah. who's so playing like, who's playing that Obi-Wan. would be really i'm pretty sure kenobi. ewan mcgregor is ewan mcgregor is ewan mcgregor is no fucking way this yeah. is news to me this is gonna be yeah man but the amazing but thing, the thing is Star Wars Rebels, the animated series, used up Darth Maul's storyline. Yeah, so I don't I know mean, where they're gonna look, go with it. Look, which D- is Disney of... will cut canon where canon needs. Where to they can, where they have they, to. Exactly, they don't give a yeah. fuck. They don't. They to be honest, honest though, I, I hope they do. I hope they do. I hope they just destroy like the animated series and they just like leave it because like I, I want to see Darth Maul and Kenobi. Like that. That should be. They should, should be nemesis. The, the they, yeah, yeah, they, they should. should that be, should be the the the, the recurring the villain. Line. The recurring villain. Yeah, like the the, yeah. the Holmes and what uh, the Holmes and Moriarty kind of a thing where he's like he keeps coming. Although, back and, yeah, I I don't think that he will be though because it, it has been like slightly overdone in like the comics and the animated series and stuff. So I don't think actual Star Wars fans would. 
It, how, I'd be really into it though how funny was it that when George Lucas was making the prequels he made one of the coolest characters ever and then killed him <laughs> off in the first one and everyone was like in no the first one, everyone, everyone was like, like we don't accept that <laughs> he's, yeah, he's alive what, what is this bullshit <laughs> yeah like that? especially because yeah. like basically they could have sold so much more toys if they just made him like because Count Dooku wasn't a great villain no um, no no I, I mean, I, I, love... I always thought that he should have been like Darth Maul should have been like the reoccurring villain throughout. Yeah, the like the, the, the Darth and Vader we, kind of, and a, like and then the viewer base a... should have always thought Count Dooku was the actual emperor. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, should have like yeah. thrown you off base, Something but instead like it was just like there was a fucking new villain every episode. Every fucking really episode. Kinda... Yeah, like how much? Just... How much more would you hate? Darth Maul, if he killed Qui-Gon Jinn, and then Obi-Wan couldn't do anything about it. He got away, yeah. He got away. Motivated Obi-Wan training himself in the second movie. Except Anakin being like, I hate sand. (laughs) We always... (laughs) We cannot get through... We cannot get through an episode without discussing Star Wars. Wars. (laughs) We need need to do it. We We, need to do it. After this podcast. I don't think I'm ready to actually watch everything. I feel like we each draw... You know, like, this is the end where they're drawing matches. We need to do that. And then whoever draws the burnt one has to watch the newest ones. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, actually, as well. Sorry, one last thing as well. That the the Darth Maul thing is also stupid because he made he made a cameo in the Han Solo movie. He did. So he did. like, so it just shows you they don't give a fuck about canon, really. So yeah, that yeah. made no sense and it was stupid. It was stupid. It was just but to the, keep anyway, going. Anyway, Ooh. okay, we, let's, can't, let's, yeah. we can't continue talking about Star Wars. Well, well, I have one more piece of news. Um, the second season of the Umbrella Academy was just announced. Yes, I saw that, Tunin. I saw that. So, for anyone who anyone who loves the Umbrella Academy, I can't wait for that to come out. I think it's July, the end of July. It's coming out. Robert Sheehan's great in a uh, in a series. He's great in the series. Isn't he? Isn't he? I'm so happy to see him working again. He he was like such an unbelievably entertaining person in Misfits and just a great actor in Misfits. And he just went nowhere after it, which was really unfortunate. Except for like Killing Bono and stuff, you know. He, yeah, like, I, I, I Killing Bono's Killing Bono's another guilty pleasure of mine. It's it's Killing Bono's not a bad film. Uh, I don't think so anyway. I quite liked it. Yeah, I, I love it as well, but like the, the critics didn't. Yeah, but critics are fucking critics, though. Like, the, well, the thing about uh, Robert Sheehan as well is that I think I don't know. It was like he peaked a little bit too soon, and then I don't know if like the Americans could find him consumable. But I was like, what's not to like? Like he's he's good looking. That he was definitely a bit of a heartthrob. Like you know what I mean? I think as well. They, uh, you know what kind of did him a bit of a disservice was love hate. Love hate. Yeah, I mean obviously yeah, that yeah. that helped put him on the map in Ireland and things like that, but like. He just looking back bit, on it. I, I think he was miscast to be honest with you. He wasn't yeah. very menacing. He wasn't very evil. And obviously he's meant to be like the nice guy kind of guy who gets who gets kind of. But he's almost up. too nice. Exactly. And like he's he's kind of too good looking. And like when and then I think as well when you had someone like Tom Von Lawler who was like incredible in that series. Yeah. And like really embodied the like ga- Irish gangland feeling and then you had good-looking Robert Sheen in it. I think he fits something like the Umbrella Academy so much more. Like, he oh, can yeah, kind definitely, of, definitely. He can be that kind well, of, like, he's cartoonish character. more theatrical like, roles. Like, yeah, yeah, the more I mean, over-the-top he, kind of, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was uh, never really yeah, a gangster, was, like, you know? No. It's like, like, it's like, like that Love scene. Love Hate was very melodramatic-like. Yeah, yeah. Like that scene when, you know, he has the guy up in the Wicklow Mountains and, like, you think he's yeah. going to shoot him. 
you know yeah. he's not gonna because it's Robert he's Sheehan. Gonna, yeah, he's not, yeah, he was always so weak, and then eventually, obviously, he, that like that that's what happens to his character. He gets and they clearly knew in love hate. They clearly knew like, oh, okay, Nidge is actually the probably stronger character. Let's make him yeah, the, yeah. The, the focus of the show. Like you know, but love, love, that, hate, that love hate's fantastic. Oh uh, yeah, it's, it, 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 it was a great show. I think that that I think that was held back by RTE because they obviously every time Imagine they made BBC a season, made that. Oh, it would be so good. I mean, RTE wouldn't let them know when they were making a new season. So like every season, they didn't know if they were going to get another one. So how can you write good stories that can carry through to multiple seasons yeah, when you don't? Like, when you don't well, that, know? That's what I was going to say. Yeah, I, I think that was that was kind of like a tragic. Like really well made show that just had no idea. Where had no it was idea where going. it was going. And yeah. like and, you, and, you could I, tell that it had no idea. And I feel like it, did Aiden Gillen choose to leave or something? It was just he, like he, cast he, members were just he, open and going. I think with Aiden Gillen, he probably, as you say, he, like he was probably the biggest actor in it at the time. I mean, yeah. yeah, he was. He would have been working on Game of Thrones as well. Not not far after that, to be fair. And yeah. he's been in obviously movies and things like that. And he, Aiden Gillen is a bit of an odd character. Have you ever heard him talk? Yeah. He's a shout strange out to person. Michael Fry. Michael Fry, his Dirty fucking Fry. hilarious videos. His amazing Moon depression cream. <laughs> he is yeah um he's a he's a strange character so um i saw him in river island in vancouver there in the summer and he said all right to me it was kind of weird all right <laughs> seeing you we, here too we both we both just kind of like <laughs> nodded no because i was with one of my friends and we both nodded at him and he literally said fancy seeing you's here and walked on <laughs> well, i was like yeah. what i was like i don't know you <laughs> <laughs> He's a very like, famous what? and successful actor, dude. <laughs> yeah, I know. I just thought it was so That's weird. Uh, we, uh, like that was it. That was the exchange. Like it, we both we like just walked away and we didn't even really mention <laughs> it. Again. it was funny. I love it. Well, but yeah. I also think Robert Sheehan he bailed on Misfits a bit too early. He did. And then he kind he did, of bailed yeah. on Love Hate as well. So he might have gone a bit too big for his boots. He well, I I'm not. I don't want to judge him too much, but I remember that he was the talk of the town for a couple of years then his roles dried up and i remember reading an interview with him a few years back with the independent or something and he was he had a chip on his shoulder about how his acting roles had 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 dried up and he was giving out about not getting roles and i was a little bit like surely that isn't a good thing for an actor to do like yeah instead of you know like he wasn't even like oh you know it is really tough and you think you're gonna he was just kind of like it's a joke you don't get any fucking roles and i was like chief you know, you don't take that out on an interview. Yeah, you know you're, I mean? you're you need not, to work you're not on made her. to your maid. Exactly. You know? like, yeah, you like can't Tom Von Lawler went back to London and he was on West End and then Exa- he was in Avengers. Ex- exactly. Exactly. You do, like, you you do need the to, fucking grind. You do the grind. Just you're sense. slightly funny and like exactly. Yeah, I think he just thought, yeah, he he must have just felt made before he actually was. We actually so, was. I mean, yeah. So it is good to see him back. It is good to see him back. It is nice to see an Irish character though back in back in the action like in a Netflix TV it's show int- Umbrella Academy I, I love that um, Umbrella Academy was uh, was written by um, Jared Way of yeah. My Chemical Romance <laughs> <laughs> love that yeah, one crazy shit he, he, left he writes the, like he his left... own anime and manga, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. Well, like Umbrella Academy is like that kind of style of, of cartoon, although it's kind of like cyberpunk kind of style, and uh, it's like hugely popular. And uh, I love that he just did that. He was like, "I'm leaving one of the most successful bands right now at the moment, and I'm going to start writing <laughs> comic books." Yeah, yeah. Uh, they're, um, I, they're, I think, they're actually I think back unreal, though. Yeah. My Chemical Romance are back. They are sure. back, which, I, you know what? I'm a fan of My Chemical Romance. I'll, I'll, I'll listen to some of their tracks. I'll, I'll let my father them. take me to the Black Parade any day. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have one more thing as well I want to briefly talk about. Um, Snowpiercer is dropping on Netflix on Monday, the TV series. 
So yes. by, oh God, by the watch. time this passes, yeah, something the, to the fucking time watch. Yeah. Out. Um, yeah, you know, I, I'm interested in it, but my biggest problem with it as well is I just watched the trailer before I came on here, and it uses all the tropes that you know were in the Snowpiercer film, like you know the arm going out the train. Um, the, the, even though the person they've cast is like Tilda Swinton's character, she has that same kind of accent. Now, I'm sure all that stuff was in the source material from the book. Yeah. But I'm wondering, is it just going to be an elongated version of the movie? And if if so, I'm a little bit disappointed in that because I would rather a fresh take on it than a carbon copy of Bong Joon-ho's film, which yeah. I think well, itself it depends, was It depends really what they good. do because it's based off of like a French comic book. Which yeah, doesn't yeah. and actually go down as uh, Snowpiercer does. And if you haven't uh, listened to our Bong Joon Ho episode, it's episode two where we <laughs> go so in deep into this, uh, very in depth. Uh, in depth. But I, yeah, I reckon that that will probably that will probably be the first season will be off kind of the source material and Bong Joon Ho, and then they'll go their own direction. But they that usually happens out, yeah. with shows. I mean, even the so look yeah, of it. I reckon it, we, it, we it, might it, have to just truck it out with the first with the first yeah. season if, before it actually gets to like its own originality and its well, own. Well, hopefully, like, like it's, it's a slow burner. I don't want it to be like yeah. they're up the top of the train and like a season. You know? Yeah, let's, yeah, let's, true, let, true. And I mean, you know, a lot of world building would do will do this kind of we'll do it a bit of good. good. Yeah. Yeah, my problem as well is that I don't really know anybody who's behind it. You know, like I don't really know the showrunner. It looks like the directors are kind of. I'm afraid it will end up end up like a bit of a BBC kind of sci-fi show. Which don't get me wrong, I, I like BBC sci-fi shows. But I they're, hate they're, them. I know I, you know. Yeah, exactly. They're, they're naff. <laughs> they're naff, and they're you know they're kind of a bit dorky and they're kind of low production value they're like post-war something you'd watch in a fucking bomb shelter so, in why is that so true that's the truest thing ever like but um as well like it's weird because you have like jennifer connelly gonna be in it and she's obviously a huge actress but in saying that let's let's see how it goes you know i'm i'll be cautiously optimistic about it Right, so will we hop into our foreign films? Yes, absolutely. Right, so uh, we wanted to do foreign films because obviously the world's a lot broader and we can't just stick to films that are in English because there's so many good films that aren't in English. But we also don't want to come across as like niche little film twerps who think (laughs) that our opinion is incredible. Uh, so we picked some rather mainstream foreign films that are all pretty pretty phenomenal in their own right. And just to kind of like give perspective on that so people think that we're not just suggesting to go and watch like a film only we've seen. We I want to state where these films are on the top 250 lists on IMDb. Just to like give people a sense in comparison to Parasite because obviously Parasite, Parasite was so successful is, yeah. this year. And I think that's that stigma behind the subti- subtitle films is kind of it's, it's disappearing. Away. It is a bit, yeah. Yeah, it's slowly yeah. dissipating. And like as Bong Joon Ho said, uh, I think it was the Golden Globes. Once you get past that millimeter barrier of text, your <laughs> world of film is a lot bigger. Well, that's yeah. true. But um, it's very true. So we're we're going to be talking about La Vita Bella or Life Is Beautiful, which is number twenty one on the top two hundred and fifty list. 
which is incredible. I mean, Very, like, that's, yeah, that's, 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 it's, that's with the big boys. That's with the big boys. This is also my first time watching that film, which says a lot because first I've time for all of these it, films it, for me, which says a what? lot about my ability. Yeah, Whoa. that's crazy. Which Jack, says a lot crazy. about my ability to fucking get <laughs> over the, the, the one millimeter <laughs> barrier. But what's awful is I wouldn't say you're alone in that. hundred percent not. That's why we're doing this podcast. That's why we're doing this podcast because like it is about these films are incredible. Yeah. like really really brilliant films yeah they're they're that... fucking amazing like yeah yeah they're, it, they're it, was, it was it was a big it was a big long week of me watching like you know movies where, but it was actually really refreshing because like i wasn't like looking at my phone or anything because it'd be like fuck i just missed you know i don't speak yeah, yeah. german I don't you speak have Italian, to pay attention and i don't speak portuguese so yeah, like i true. like i was so engulfed and like in these movies it's and like so in the much world more immersive isn't yeah, it it's, it's so yeah. much more immersive yeah because you you won't look away because if you look away you miss a piece you're gonna of miss a line of dialogue yeah yeah exactly yeah. and i won't even go to the toilet during them which is just awful <laughs> 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 anyway on, on to the rest of the list so uh city of god or Cide de deuce i i'm not gonna pre- it's phonetically pronounced that <laughs> pronounced i don't have a clue but uh city of god which is a brazilian film and it is number 22 on the list so right after like right after wow. wow which is very coincidental isn't it but yeah mm-hmm. but um also a phenomenal film and then parasite is number 27 so that gives you kind of wow the, that's a good 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 reference yeah. good former reference, so if you yeah. love parasite you you should really probably love these. these films as well you should probably give these films a watch too and then the Intouchables is number forty-four, so a bit further up the list. Yeah, yeah. And that's a French film that we'll we'll also be discussing. And finally, just to get this on the road, is the Lives of Others, which is a German film and is number fifty-eight on the top two hundred and fifty wow. list. So there you go. So all if you need IMDb films. to go oh, and watch a film, you'll films. love all these films. <laughs> um, I'm also gonna just have a quick like a quick um, precursor to this conversation um, me and Tiernan were luckily exposed to Das Leben der Ander and the Lives of Others while we studied German in school um, and our, our German teachers in our later years were all really re- had really really good taste in German yeah, cinema unbelievable and we yeah. saw a lot of we saw a lot of actually a lot of German movies in those couple of years and that really I think opened our minds and you I, know it's yeah I also saw um, The Untouchables in a religion class as well so uh, these <laughs> i have school to credit for for opening some some horizons here with foreign movies here well yeah no actually seeing all these films in german in german class it really did kind of bring me into bring me german into film cinema, in general yeah, because yeah. It, they are phenomenal films and you like i don't know when i was when i was younger there was always that kind of like i didn't always want to approach like the big like renowned films big critically acclaimed films uh, whereas like when we were watching them in school like you had to sit down you had to sit down and watch them them, yeah we we all love them yeah it did actually open my taste a lot and funnily enough i literally this year in college started studying german films so i had had seen all of them basically well i mean tierna when you think about it we i remember in one year we saw some transition year we watched um, we watched the lives of others. We also watched Goodbye yeah. Lenin. We also Run, watched Lola, Run. Run Lola Run. We also watched Downfall, uh, and then we also watched Das Boat. Um, da- Did we watch Das Boat? I think Das Boat was third year. Did we? Third, third, third year school. Yeah, no, oh, we, we did that, yeah. towards the end. Yeah, oh my god. Yeah, we yeah. watched that yeah, And then so we also we can, you can check that off. Um, and then do you remember that other one that me and you had a real kind of uh, surprises by how good it was? Uh, Divella. 
Divella, Divella. Oh, that was amazing. It was an excellent movie. Amazing. Absolutely yeah. excellent. So actually, I'd, I'd, I'd love to summarize that for people because I'd say that people would be really interested in this. Jackie, you'd actually love this film You'd like well. Divella, yeah. So it was kind of like a social studies school experiment where they took like certain groups of people and they'd be like the market research groupings and they'd have like a leader and a political regime on top of that grouping. So there was an anarchist grouping, there was like a communist grouping, a democratic grouping and, and then there fascism. was, which was like the, the subject of the film, which was a fascist grouping and it was based in Germany. So it's obviously very impactful right away. But it's such an amazing film because you can immediately see off the bat why so many like outcasts because they are like outcasts and yeah how, how people get drawn to fascism grouping. exactly like yeah how, how you and can, they all come together and you can and unify it, them amazing. yeah oh it's excellent. how you can unify them and it's it's person. and it's a high school drama it's a it's it's you know it's set in high school which is great because it yeah, shows it really it's like it's like if the breakfast club had fascism <laughs> <laughs> but it is it's a really phenomenal film like I'd really recommend it it's very eye opening as well to all of these political regimes and to all of the talk of the political regimes well so yeah but at the same time it's kind of like Germany covering its back being like <laughs> look we're talking about we're it we're talking about it <laughs> um, well in saying that then Tierney do you want to start us off with maybe the first movie which one do you want to talk about first and get us going and then we can well why don't we jump into uh, the lives of others yeah then? since we're on I think, I think the lives of others is also the oldest film uh, is it? Is it? No, uh, no, 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 no. Life is beautiful is definitely. Oh, two thousand six. Life yeah. is beautiful. Yeah, life, life is beautiful, is, beautiful is, definitely is definitely the oldest. We could still start with. Uh, yeah, Death let's Slave go. Let's Arandern, go. Let's go. Let's go. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Jack, this was your but, first time actually watching it, so I'm eager to hear what you think about it. Oh, I love this film. It's it so great. so so good. I just love how it's like a. Um, it's like an isolated story in the grander scheme of things. Yeah. It just makes it so much more like powerful or whatever. So it's, it's set very in, sad. It's, it's you set know, it's, in, it's a bit of a slow burner. Yeah, it's set in um, East Germany, East Berlin, um, or West Berlin, or East Berlin. Sorry, um, specifically uh, in the years in in the in the eighties, nineteen eighty two, because yeah. the wall falls. The wall yeah, falls in eighty nine. Yeah, yeah wall, so yeah. Um, and it's it's about um, a writer who is essentially works for the state to write kind of. Uh, Eastern sympathetic uh, plays and as you say Jack it's an isolated story about him but tells a, a bigger story in the grand scheme of what was going on yeah. in, in East Berlin and, and the POV character is a Stasi officer who's spying on him which is just the most incredible, incredible. take and approach on, on, a, on, a, on a storytelling and you really because here's the thing now obviously I'm, I'm going off a lot of college knowledge here I'm not really spitting this off like off the cuff okay but um, so a lot of like the Eastern Berlin, East Berlin like German cinema was all based around isolation and like you said jack and, and it's not like the old wings of desire films run Lo- not run lola run so as much but like christian f you ever see christian f uh, ian no it's about like heroin junkie kids in um I, it kind of inspired perks of being a wallflower they had like david bowie david bowie's heroes playing and all it's an yeah, excellent film yeah. you should you should give it a watch but even like goodbye lennon it's all about like the isolated person within east berlin and like how how they provoke that isolation compared to like West Berlin and how yeah, like vibrant yeah. West Berlin vibrant was and everything was and booming, yeah. And I think as well, um, what what's great about it was so obviously I don't know if anyone is listening to this doesn't particularly know this, but after the war they they essentially split Berlin in half between uh, the West and so the West controlled West Berlin and that was you know 
like the rest of Europe, it was capitalist. It was open. Yeah. They were, you know, con- and had contact with other people. And then the East was owned by the Soviets, who set up their own regime, their own government, and closed borders. they closed the borders, and it was walled in, and they operated on their own. And it was essentially because you know Germany was kind of at the center of Europe after the war, and um, you know this went on for years until the wall came down. But it's interesting you say that about. Um, East Berlin and like David Bowie and all because David Bowie moved to Berlin uh, to write uh, music for a number of years and he has like a whole era and it what I love about when you visit Berlin is like Jack you've been to Berlin a few times haven't you Taren have you been to Berlin yeah, before? Yeah I have I have been to Berlin um, it's, you know what wild, I love about it is it's uh, incredible it's one of the best cities I've ever been to I, yeah. I honestly love it but I love how as you say it's really vibrant in ways but it still has remnants of the east you have all these yeah. old Soviet blocks but they're you know they're covered in graffiti like Checkpoint Charlie and and exa- yeah. exactly yeah, yeah, exactly yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and um, I, I loved how in the lives of others as you say is like it's about isolation all but it captures it captures just the kind of just the general sadness of that whole yeah it's of so that whole great. time it's just it's great, so yeah. great. <laughs> and he, here's the thing as well because he's like obviously spying essentially he's just observing but uh dryman and his wife his wife is maria zealand or something yes yes zealand yeah. and um uh, like because they're like the artistic kind of like Couple, rebellious yeah like, they're more, on the more list. so belonging to west they're on the list and, yeah. and they do it from the point of view of uh, your man of the sazi officer mew uh, no um, Gerd, um well his time his his, See, his is, the actor's name is ulrich muir but the actual yeah, 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 yeah. the actual character is a different name i think it's uh what's the name Hauptmann. Hauptmann, I think it, I have it here. I can't see this. Hauptmann Gerd. Oh, there you go. Anyway, uh, but it, because he's like spying on this kind of like... Wiesler, I, sorry. Wiesler is what he's known as in the movie. Wiesler. Yeah, 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 there you go. Yeah, there, there you go. But uh, you see, this is going to be the issue with these films. We're not going to know <laughs> <any> the names. <laughs> but um, because he's like this isolated Stasi officer, very much a socialist, very much committed to his socialist yeah, c- government. Committed to it, yeah. Like, like spying that's... on these kind of like rebellious westernized, like, or wishing to be westernized. It's almost as if you're taking like the average East Berlin citizen looking into the West Berlin city exactly and, just, and, and seeing that, that pov and, yeah. is just incredible how they want to provoke the story in, through that manner i just think yeah it's such a uh, unique way of approaching it's, it. it's it's deadly because it kind of shows like he's kind of like a voyeur or something like you know he's, yeah he's a little bit yeah he, that's he, a good it's a good way of saying he it, becomes Jack, yeah. obviously he becomes like emotionally attached to these people and there's a great scene in this is when he's in the elevator and he's going um up to his apartment and or sorry he's going down to the street and there's a kid with his ball oh it's a brilliant is like scene, oh yeah. my dad says that you work for the stasi and that you know like you're a bad man or whatever and he goes this is after you know he's been uh spying Watching on the zealand on, and the, yeah, the, so yeah. so dryman is a writer and zealand is an actress in his films and they live together yeah they, so they, he's yeah, he's been spying on the actor at uh, the actress and the writer for quite some time now and um you know he asked the kid like 
He's about to ask the, the, the child, who's your father? So he can yeah. get him arrested and thrown yeah. in jail. <laughs> yeah, but in the end, he doesn't. And he goes, uh, what's your ball's name? And the kid is like, you're so strange. Like, balls don't have names. Balls don't have names. Yeah, I love that yeah. scene. And there's another that. great scene with the contrast between him and the riders when the riders outside playing football in the street with the, with the kids, kids. And he's yeah. the one Walk straight past himself. them. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's you know, being like, building. what's your fucking ball's name? You know, yeah. and he, he's quite lonely in this. And you can see why he becomes like attached to this couple he kind of almost sees himself as an extension of it this yeah guy, he and sends the other guy home and he just wants to protect them or whatever he, he essentially he as well you know, i mean it's sad, but. it's a it's a bit of a love triangle and that he he does you, you can tell he's kind of fallen in love with with maria zealand the the actress but he but he's he like he's fallen in love with both well, of you're them. right yeah because then you know he kind of and what's great about it is this unfledgling commitment to um what was the name of the government um is the that the, I, I i can't remember the name of the government that was in but you know this unfledgling dedication is like i'm committed to the cause and i'll and and that has isolated him his commitment to being such a good civil servant and serving his what he believes is right and then he but kind of realized being corrupt yeah and not being yeah and, and then he kind of can see that there's real people that this affects every day and i love the I believe there was a movie made in the seventies where um what's his name? Uh oh, what's the guy's name? Who he, he used to be Lex Luthor in all the Superman movies. Gene Hackman. It's called The Conversation. Hackman, yeah. And it's it's kind of a similar thing where he's an informant and he's charged with recording people and it captures paranoia really well. And I think Das Leben der Andren or the Lies of Others really captures paranoia in that you are afraid to say absolutely anything. And I love even the extent they show to actually bugging the apartments and stuff. All that stuff yeah. is yeah. done so meticulously so you can see how they go about and like how you had a window, someone was walking out their apartment, they were gone for a couple of hours. You had whatever, three hours to get that place bugged. And it was, it's so incredible doing that. And I was reading that, um, the so the the prop um the prop master for the film he um was imprisoned in a Stasi prison for six years, and he was meticulous about all the equipment they used because yeah, he had experienced real. it, which was incredible, which was so yeah that's unbelievable. You know, it's, the even, budget even for this the film theme letter weird. opener. You, which oh, I mean I mean Jack, when you say that, that's incredible because I think the movie looks. I really know. Good. I think it looks. I just really read that it's, a, it's a really well shot movie. Yeah, it's, I think it's probably the best shot out of all of them. Yeah, I'd agree. The cinematography. I, I is think it's excellent. the most technically, you know, well shot film and, and everything. The else. way that the camera kind of pans throughout, like every kind of thought process, yeah. you can really see like their minds going and everything. Yeah, the cinematography is really meticulous. And the apartment is the like so European and everything, obviously, but like it just it just looks so natural and so lived in. That's another yeah. thing that I noticed in this as well. Um, it does, and the yeah. acting and, and everything is brilliant as well. The acting they worked for is, half of the price for this. They as did. Well. That was, they did. Well, you know, Dryman, Dryman, and Zealand, they they're actually married in real life. Oh no way! Yeah, yeah, I saw they're, that. They're 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 married. So much couple. better. I love that. I love when actors. Yeah, I love are, that. Well, and yeah. we'll actually say that in in Life Is Beautiful as well because the two main actors, Roberto Bernini and his wife, in they're married in real life too. So uh, yeah, they are. Yeah, I, sorry, I love yeah. that. It, it lends an extra an extra bit of chemistry to the film when you can see that they're like you like you are so on board with Dryman and, and, and Maria's um, relationship and then watching and then watching Wiesler consume that relationship too and live through it in his own way it adds like that adds extra his element own, to it, yeah. as his own experience of it and uh, it, it's 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 amazing that it is a very personal story and it's just about how 
you know, it is, as we said, it's a love story. But as you say, Jack, it's this overarching thing about how, and I think it's a good indication of how how regular people were affected by such oppressive things that were brought in after the war. Yeah, yeah, and because it, they're they're not they're not any like threat whatsoever. No, exactly. I, like you learn from the start, they're they're um, they're just your, people. And your trying man's to, obviously to... clearly interested in in the actress. Yeah. Who, who gets him set up and he's he's told to find something you know he's not yeah. asked to he's told it's, it's, to yeah find it's something. you need to find something exactly and it's extremely it's... like dark time in history yeah um, yeah but is it isn't the concept though the concept like on paper sounds phenomenal but it also just sounds really funny like you know you know the scene where she comes in after being with the corrupt um like head of the party you know, I forget what his name is. I think you just mentioned it there, Jack. Um, uh, Hemp, is it? Hemp you know, for Z, Z, Bruno Hemp? She, she's, yeah, 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 Hemp, Hemp. And um, she comes in and she gets Dryman to hold her. Yeah. And on the other, and it's a real emotional moment. And then it cuts back to <laughs> the Sazi officer who's also like pretending to be held. It's to be held, in that yeah. Same embrace. yeah it's, and it's beautiful. It is it beautiful. Really is. But, like, it really is. It really is. That just shows how good the score of this film is because it does provoke that emotion. Because if you did that wrong, if you shot that wrong, it, it would come across comedic. Yeah, it would come across Like real creepy uh, yeah. as opposed to thing. But apparently the score was such a massive part around this. You know um, the scene where he's crying listening to Dryman play the piano? Yes, yeah. Uh, Dryman so actually played, played that, didn't he? he yeah, yeah. He he learned for months to do that, and that and the whole screenplay was written around him playing that song. Jesus, I love that. I love that so much. Like the dedication. Sebastian Koch, I I think is actually an established actor, um, and I think they've tried. They kind of tried to bring him into Hollywood a bit because do you remember they cast him in that god awful Die Hard movie, uh, the fifth one where it's yeah, in Russia. Yeah, yeah, Die Hard. Yeah, 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 yeah. He was, he was, um, he was the villain in that. And I remember at the time, everyone was like, the movie was the worst thing ever. But Sebastian Koch was a brilliant villain, and they were like, he could actually be a good kind of new Hollywood villain. But um, I'm kind of glad Hollywood hasn't ruined him in a way. Like he's so yeah. so good. He's in, in Bridge of Spies. Is he? Yeah, he is. He's uh, a <laughs> Wolfgang Vogel. Of course, Wolfgang. Yeah, so. <laughs> Any German character has to be called Wolfgang. Yeah, is Sebastian um, Koch available? <laughs> but to be fair, as well, um, about what I love about the movies that we're all going to talk about as well is I find that foreign language movies tend to be very personal about the country they're set in and they kind of offer you an insight into a whole world that you go god that's that's something that affected those people for years and that never even would have crossed yeah. my mind i never would have known anything about that and and in ways you know berlin that city as incredible as it is it's haunted by how tough its history has been for the last you know yeah. 60 70 years definitely and and this film was great for that and i think it was um I think it was shot in a kind of a film noir, kind of like a Casablanca kind of a way. It kind of felt like I was watching a a, a movie from a post war fifties movie in a yeah. way. It, it was very, it was very bare and then like cutting to vibrant in like this yeah, kind of yeah, scenario. You exactly. Know I, mean? I mean, even that, even when that you look at the poster, like, even when you look at the poster, that, it looks like something from the fifties. You know what I mean? And yeah, it, it, yeah, exactly, I'm looking at the poster yeah. right now, and I'm, yeah. I'm admiring it. Yeah, it's, it's that great. is like that like whole like dichotomy though between 
the east and west of Berlin, though, you did, that they were going for, like, how you see how Baron alone how he is in yeah. all of his shots, you know? Whereas even, like, Dryman's house is, is gorgeous. It's beautiful. It's, like, really well decorated. Yeah, he, he's actually like one of the, he's actually one of the kind of higher-ups in, in east Berlin. Because... It's kind of, like, aristocratic, like, it's a, yeah, it's a nice yeah. little home. Like yeah, I, I know. I completely agree with you that. that foreign language films are very personal for to, toward the country that they're actually in. The country that, yeah, that's definitely. definitely out of all of like the German films we watched, Ian. That was usually like hugely apparent. Yeah, case. definitely. Yeah, yeah like that, when you look at something the like The Man of Uncle. Like, have you seen that? Like, it launched <laughs> on Netflix. Like, with the way that they like butcher uh, East and West Berlin is hilarious. Like, but, yeah, like, this, this, like, I mean, this this came out ten years earlier, and they they have it like spot on. Yeah, um, like, I mean, sadly, uh, Ulrich uh, died the year after this movie was released. He did, didn't he? He died in two thousand and seven, which is uh, very baby. upsetting. He after, um, like, he was an actor in breakthrough role. He was an actor in East Berlin um, while the wall was up. Um, a stage actor, and uh, essentially, he he basically was like, when I was shooting this movie, I was he. So he actually found his file um, years later on himself. Um, he went back and because obviously they made those Stasi records public record and he that would he, be the coolest thing ever. Oh, it'd it be, be crazy! Wild, it? it would be crazy. Crazy. And he found out. But like, that, did you um, have to be like somewhat of a public figure? Oh, Oh, one hundred percent. No, 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 so. not I think at all, they just man. Do it to fucking everyone. If, if yeah, they were man, suspicious of you, as well, if yeah. they were suspicious of you in any way, and then what was great? What it was really interesting was I read that. So he found in his file that other people were informing on him so people he considered his friends and it just kind of shows you what kind of a world you you'd have to have lived in like you wouldn't have trusted anyone you know what i mean like people were it's kind of like people taking pictures of people outside when they're supposed to be quarantined (laughs) exactly (laughs) (laughs) if you if you take pictures of someone who's in an oh in a group over four you're the fucking thought police Your application to the Stasi is accepted. Yeah, it's accepted. You're like yeah. you're like a Nazi child. <laughs> but but it, just um, before we move away from uh, German cinema, it is it is um, like even when we were mentioning David uh, David Bowie and Heroes and the fact that that was in Jojo Rabbit. Yes, really, what, yeah, like, brilliant. Like, like in, 30, 40 years later. Yeah, I, it is incredible how it's such a like rebellious kind of cinema, and it's always really really powerful. Yeah, in the sense that they're very aware, like no one's romanticizing. East Berlin. Yeah, not at all. No one. They're they're not trying to promote it in any way, shape, or no. form, and they're showing just how isolating it was. Yeah, and that's actually in a in a really old classic film called uh, Wings of Desire. It's about an angel who like arrives in East Berlin and he's just going around looking at everything. It's re- it's real post war though. It wouldn't be like li- the later era, and it's just very powerful. And you see exactly how everyone lives. Yeah, and things like that. So yeah, East Berlin cinema and like Soviet. Uh, Soviet German cinema is always really interesting and really good. Yeah, and I think it's a very interesting time as well. It's great for a read up on history. It is. You're right, and it it opens that up to you. And I I find that um I I I find that especially Eastern European cinema and like their history is just particularly sad, and I it's just always sad and yeah, it is really miserable. Yeah, and and that's the, the lives of others it's like it's almost like a Greek tragedy. It's so sad in in ways that you're like. And, and just from start to finish you know what i mean you just you're, yeah. you're just watching it and you just want these people to just 
be happy and but they're they're yeah. they're victims of their own circumstances and the saddest thing about it is if you were born in, in east germany if you lived in east germany at the time that was just it that was that was how your circumstances were and you couldn't get out and things and because that, that was you it, it was literally it like and and i know like i mean they, they they've made movies about east and west berlin for me and i remember watching one years ago i need to get the name of it where they they attempt to get over the berlin wall on a hot air balloon um it's actually not a comedy as, as much as it sounds like one but um this was more personal and it was it was just trying to tell you know three people's stories in the midst of this this very dark period of time which wasn't that long ago in the 1980s you know ronald reagan yeah. was out there promoting pepsi with all the yeah. boys in america which we look at that's like, what people forget i mean back to the <laughs> future like, was coming out <laughs> like, yeah. and then you had yeah, this pretty stuff fucking going on. crazy <laughs> now there's a mcdonald's of... a checkpoint charlie like, you know? <laughs> exactly yeah exactly yeah there literally is, there literally yeah. is yeah. no that's awful yeah but um yeah that's why like when people like snowden come out and they're like given all of this spiel like i don't know if you saw the snowden film that, yeah that's did, kind yeah. of along the lines of this yeah the surveillance like, state uh, essentially the surveillance state, yeah and it's scary isn't it, it because is i scary. mean like all of this stuff is declassified yeah so i know I don't even know what's going on now but <laughs> <laughs> anyway but i love i love like the ingenuity and like the innovation and like how they approach telling the story though like I, that's the main thing i can't get over about this film yeah. is just they looked at it and they were like a love story in east berlin of two people who are really cultured and like geared toward western culture yeah yeah. But we're going to do it through the point of view of a Stasi of a Stasi officer. officer just, yeah, it was. It was. It's it, that it's, is just. It's really incredible. Like I mean, you, you, you and that. That's why these foreign films are just they're they're so worth watching because you wouldn't see that in a western no in western cinema. No. They, they just like as as bad as it sounds, they are just so formulated, and you you know what you're like. The storytelling is just so. It's the hero's journey. It yeah. is just so basic. It's it's so spoon fed to you whereas when you go and approach these foreign language films you do just it, it's a whole new world of cinema it's completely different and estranged from what everyone's used to and, and as to see some of the best stories and as we said these these movies that we're all talking about are not necessarily niche these were actually very popular ones that that, that received oscar nods and things like that but even at that these are so much more fresh than any other Oscar movie you would get in any other year because they just offer Definitely. a completely different perspective. Even though they're this, like, this is where the mainstream ones are. So, I, like, I'm sure we will talk about other foreign films again down the line. But this just shows you the standard of, of, of you know, this is these are more accessible yeah. ones, and this and even at that, they offer something so different. And this did win one Oscar. This one, best uh, international international film, film yeah. yeah. And it is the most. It got the most nominations of any German film in uh, the German awards. So I mean, it really spoke. To yeah, the they, they, they really. Well. Enjoy, yeah, it's, it's which is. I mean, and that and that's saying something, Tony, considering that me and you have actually seen a lot of German films, and yeah. they're they're all really good. German cinema is excellent. They're all excellent. It's yeah. really really good. So um, yeah. So um, yeah. I think uh, we we should move on. Yeah. Probably. I think a good place to go for this would be um. A, a film that got four Oscar nominations, none. It didn't win any of them, and also wasn't nominated for best international film, which is *Cité de Deuce* or *City of God*, which just blows my mind that that, that wasn't nominated for international film, yeah. or it wasn't. It didn't win anything hmm. because it's such a phenomenal film. Oh, it's unbelievable! I suppose it, it, does it count as like. Even if it is foreign language, does it count as an international film? It might have been like American distributors or, or something well, along those lines. Well, you see, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know who who distributed it. Who who? Because I know that like 
um, Life is Beautiful and um, Untouchables that we're going to talk about, they were both Miramax and Weinstein Company, so they were obviously yeah. going to be big powerhouses at the Oscars and things like that because of how aggressively those films would have been marketed at the time. But I'm not sure about mm. City of God. Because that was filmed on a shoestring budget as well, wasn't it? And it was... And- and it was filmed in Rio, like it was. It was. It was filmed, filmed in, right in, it, in yeah. Rio. Yeah, it was. Yeah. yeah, which we discussed on a on a, one of the last podcasts was uh, Fast and the Furious couldn't do that because it was too because dangerous. It was too dangerous. And the director, yeah. the director of this, Fernando Morella, said if he knew how hard it was going to be and how dangerous it was he, going he to be filming it. in Rio, no way would he have done it. That's... And I think that, and he he's a good director. I only watched uh, the Constant Gardener. He also did the Constant Gardener with Ray mm, Fiennes. Mm. And um, I only watched that recently. Excellent film, really phenomenal film. And he also did, you know, the Two Popes, which was recently. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Which I, you know, what I thought was really good. I thought it was a great. Watch. I thought it. Was, I, I thought really it was very good. It, you see, what I think his issue is, though, like Sin City of God is, you see, City of God is such an immersive and entertaining story, and there's so much happening. And Constant Gardener is also really immersive and really interesting, but it's not overly like entertaining but it is just incredibly interesting yeah. and then i think again with two popes it's kind of the same yeah it's kind of the same issue i mean like he approaches these international issues and these international topics very by the book and very real uh, realist like he's he's not leaving out any facts or he's showing you exactly how it was yeah it is it is how it is like you know like yeah, exactly, it, he yeah. shows every layer of like corruption and then like innocence throughout this kind of movie and like some of the scenes are just so like yeah, we should oh, we should say it's Brazil. about um it's about um sorry it's about um it's, it's a, <laughs> I'm fucking not going to Brazil. <laughs> it's, essentially, it's essentially about um a a young Brazilian photojournalist. He, he he grew up to be a photojournalist, but he grew up obviously in the slums of Rio, and he would have been good friends or or, or not good friends, but definitely well acquainted with one of the kids he grew up with, who went on to become one of the most dangerous gangsters in um in the entire favela and it kind of just charts their two stories of growing up the two paths kind their of two paths yeah yeah, yeah. In, intertwined and, uh, throughout their years yeah and they, they come across each other every now and again and they they their their stories are just linked because not not out of not out of anything particular it's just it's a little bit like if you grew up with someone your lives are going to be interlinked anyway and you're from the same area and uh it is done with such excellence i mean it's it's it it, it these kind of movies can be they can be painful in ways because I hate when you have movies where they go right this section's about you as a child this is you about you as a teenager and then this is about you in your 20s and I've movies like that can be very hit or miss for me but City of God does it so well I think because it's it's just something really real you know you know why I think I think that is is because you know the way City of God like the City of God itself actually starts off as like kind of like a refugee camp yeah in his slums his slums and you then actually see how the how the slum develops, develops into a favela into a, yeah into and a like, into a why, functioning goes, city yeah. as he's aging yeah as he's as he's going through his life and I think that's why the whole like kind of chronology of his age it it, it works really well in this film and it is a, it is a true story I don't know if it is a true story yeah 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 very story. very interesting. And it's horrifying. Yeah, absolutely <laughs> yeah. nightmare fuel. <laughs> um, like, like when when he fucking asked the kid, like, "Do you want to get shot in the leg? Or do you want to get shot in my hand?" I was like, "Fuck." That this. was the most. That was. I, I gotta say, um, have you seen Nocturnal Animals? The yes, uh, I have. Uh, yeah, not the opening scene, but everyone knows the scene I'm talking about. Nocturnal Animals. Yeah. if you've seen it, 
up until I saw City of God, Nocturnal Animals was the most like kind of like anxiety and juicy. Yeah, that yeah. scene was it was the most real. And then I saw City of God watching him shoot that kid in the ball. I've never seen anything realer. It was it was just it was heartbreaking watching that and it was and you know that that shit goes on as hundred well. oh, yeah, percent. I mean I mean yeah. Brazil is a country that still struggles with violence and, and gang crime now and this was a movie that really gave you and it's amazing as well because I know Brazil looks terrifying and stuff as well, but this is kind of the complete opposite to the lives of others in that it shows how fucking vibrant and beautiful it is as a country in terms of like, you know, just how it looks and how it's, how the movie was yeah. shot is much more stylistic. And that lends itself to the, to the storytelling creative, yeah. of the film because, you know, it shows you just how, how kind of crazy Brazil is. Like, it's just all go and it's just it's just absolute chaos and it's it's affected by you know it's it's a place that has i mean i heard something crazy there like um like what's the like the the capital uh brasilia has something like 40 million people or something like that which is just it's fucking crazy like. get your head around is just insane yeah. so i mean it, it captures that kind of like you know these beautiful beautiful countries that are just have riddled with problems and they're they're so deep rooted and uh and and it's it's good because they offer hope as well and i i think it's good that uh you know the guy who did grow up to be a photographer you know he does even though his life was tough as well but you know there is kind of a glimmer of hope there well we were talking about I don't know if we mentioned this on the last podcast I think I might have just said it to you Ian but remember the scene where he goes to like his fellow journalist the woman I think he gets with that girl in the film he does yeah he? it's his first does, sex, yeah. it's his first sexual yeah, anyway, experience yeah. yeah he's like he, 13 he, yeah he, he <laughs> it was a weird one yeah but he showers in her house and it was his first ever hot shower yeah. the actor who played that he says no. he says in the movie yeah, he goes I've, I've never had a hot shower crazy, before though. and they they say yeah they say like that was they make a joke about it yeah and then they give him a hot they shower, give him a hot shower <laughs> which is insane to think about do you know what i mean such such a small commodity that you would you would take for granted but um i also have to say the acting in this considering that none of them really went on to do anything and none of them were particularly actors before um Le- uh, leandro fermino who plays um lil z in it as like in his kind of like er- er- late teens into his 20s is just incredible like he is so so well good. here's here's my thing about that do you think he was so good at it because he just kind of was that role you know i mean because i've never seen like the guy like, that whole like gangster like stupid hard-headed like idiot just violent person portrayed so well yeah in this film, i know, you know? It, 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 it was done so brilliantly how it, how he it was good because he's a, as you say he's a gangster but he's you know, it's weird because gangsters are really sociable and he has all these, you know, he's got all these people around him and he kind of runs a business. Yeah. But he's, he's a psychopath. He's an absolute yeah. psychopath. Yeah, you know he's, I mean? he, he's fucked. He, he says has, and the people around him. Yeah, he has no the people remorse. around him, they don't, they don't like him. Exactly. Everyone's nervous They're of him. They're afraid of him. And it's, and it, like, he it, just, he, and you think it's going to be, to be fair, you know, you, 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 when you hear about a movie like this, you could kind of go, oh, well, you know, this is a movie that shows how he's a victim of his circumstance and he's around this horrible crime and, and it was his only way to survive. But this movie just dispels that very early on when he's yeah, when he's a kid. Yeah, and I don't want to spoil it too much, but he essentially guns down a bunch of people just for the entertainment of it. And he's only like seven or eight years old. Yeah. And it's just trying to show yeah, you this guy was twisted. He was a lunatic and twisted from the fucking start. From like. the start, like, yeah, exactly. And the and, and he also, obviously goes to the ritual and then things fucking 
you know yeah they're yeah. all crazy and weird <laughs> it also points out that like it is people like him kind of stopping the progression of these favelas yes 100 percent. they keep because them down while they yeah. while they control the violence you have like characters like benny benny who's brilliant yeah brilliant character. yeah he's brilliant and like everyone loves him he's really outgoing he's got a life ahead of him and he just it, and he just he's completely put down by little z he's completely held back i don't want to like go into too much yeah. but it's just it's it's a real story of just like violence begets violence and and it's just the most telling way to to portray and it. just how cyclical it is and like i i think as well that like it kind of harps on um what the first couple of seasons of narcos got really well with pablo escobar was in another world these people might have been politicians you know what i mean in another world yeah. that they might have yeah. actually <laughs> great orators you know? you know yeah exactly you know popular people you know and really in touch with their community i love that about it it's about community and it's about the favelas how they're their neighborhoods essentially Do you know what i mean that's what they are and you know benny is a character who's very in touch with the community and i love one of my favorite scenes in it uh, and i mean because this scene is just this this movie is just gorgeous from start to finish it looks incredible but um, yeah, the, 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 the the nightclub scene where they have the big party and i'm i was just like i want to go to that so bad that looks like the best party yeah it did ever. didn't it when they it all came like out something in Benny. thailand or something it, it was it's just deadly. insane like Un- until know, the shooting <laughs> until the vicious yeah the, the, the vicious gangland crime that breaks out not 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 soon yeah not, not, not too late after but um go on turn sorry oh no i, I wasn't certain I uh, yeah no, <laughs> I was um, yeah no look it, it, it's it, it's funny because as well as we said about the lives of others, and i think we're gonna say this about the other movies as well is it offers you such perspective about a country and this is only yeah one part of brazil this is about one neighborhood in rio de janeiro in you know one of the most densely populated southern american countries in the world and this is just one story the stuff like this still going on today i'd say do you know what i mean like there's no doubt about it oh absolutely well yeah this this is the thing this is why i moved on to this film from the lives of others was because both of these films it does really focus on like the surroundings rather than like untouchables it's kind of like that's just a story it's an isolated country yeah exactly and and la vita bella is more so about the war yeah but uh, both of these films they really give you grand perspective on why this culture is the way it is and why it has developed the way it is and yeah it's just a whole new glance into a different world yeah. that we're not used to seeing on the big screen. Yeah, and the 100%. overall like arcing message of the movie is that like one cog falls and it will be replaced by another. You know, exactly. Like it's, it's, exactly. they they kill the, the Hydra. They kill one. Put yeah, off one yeah, head. Yeah. yeah, and another two appear, and that's exactly what happens in the movie. And you either get out or you die, and that's, hey, that's the only way. But that's it. I mean, and it's 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 the cards that these people are dealt with. You know, if they don't, and I think it's a story that resonates with a lot of people in general, especially if you're from. It's funny how, like, in the Western world, if you're from a developed country, you know, you get this in America, you get it in Ireland too, in England and stuff and all. But loads of people wanting to get out of their little town, and it's like, oh well, I want to get out of here because it's such a trap and blah blah blah. Whereas this is like, no, 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 this is an actual trap. You, you if you are born into this town. 
You know, yeah. if you don't resort, if you don't cozy up with the gangsters or, or whatever, you're going to end up dead. And, you know, it just shows... If you don't really, sell drugs, yeah, you're, you, not, you're, you're, you're gone. You're going to be a failure. Yeah, like, you're exactly. not, like, like the, the main character of the story is, like, an isolated incident, and it's very, very, like, that's imperative throughout the whole film. Yeah, that, that, uh, that, 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 that he's thing. an outlier. That's, yeah, he's a, yeah. Yeah, that's the object, is, like, this is not happening for everyone. No. Not everyone gets not out everyone of the gets slow out, man. Yeah, exactly. Almost nobody. And even... Even the character who who becomes like Lilzy's nemesis. What's his name again? He's the good-looking fella. Um, I forget his name. Uh, Shaggy. Um, Was it Shaggy? No, no. You know the good-looking. No, 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 he's like called good-looking in the film. Oh. He's he's like the nemesis. The war starts over him. Uh, Mane Galini. Mm. Um, he's a he's ex soldier anyway. It, it doesn't matter, but yeah. um, he was out of the life. He was an ex soldier, very like into his own martial arts and training and everything yeah, yeah, along yeah. them lines. And he's dragged back into the gangster life, mm. and I think that is kind of like it is. It is the difference between the main character and him as a character. You you do see that kind of transition backwards as well as like the digression as well as the him getting out of the slum which yeah. I, I, I think was a good route to take because it's just no one's safe in this film you know yeah exactly yeah exactly yeah, yeah. that that that's a that's a fucking brilliant kind of scene where it's like um they he goes to the rules that he has that he wants to get revenge or whatever and he's like yeah. real real one like no killing and then like you know he 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 gets shown that you know this is the dangerous fucking game you're playing. You can't yeah. just yeah. be yeah. no killing. You know when he yeah. gets his life saved and then he yeah. ends up saving someone else's lives and then yeah. and then he becomes the villain for someone else exactly, because yeah. it, like little Z is his villain, but then yeah, he you, becomes you, the villain trying exactly. to get revenge. You cross somebody, and it yeah. is it's it's violence begets violence. That's yeah. like, that is like essentially the, the plot behind this, and it's just done in so many different ways, so many different like intricate like tributaries and how they show. It just trickles down. Essentially, violence it just trickles is. down. Like an eye for an eye doesn't work. Like. Yeah. And uh, this film actually, um, this is just a random little tidbit, but it has one of my most favorite montages I've ever seen in a film, and um, the apartment montage where they show yeah. how what you know eventually uh, Lil Z and I oh, take it's it over. Brilliant. And they run their their drugs gang out of it, but it just shows how what went on in that apartment, the people who lived in it. Yeah. And you just get a little, you just get a little snapshot of each person who who was in that apartment at one stage, and it just is you so. You can write effective. movies on all of them. On all of them, yeah. And it immediately, it immediately fills you in on, on, on what the whole, on the whole story, yeah, of what what went. And that's there. the purpose of like the the director's trying to immerse you in this favela, and I think he just does such a good job in that small little montage. Yeah, like that's just all you need. Uh, one household, yeah. yeah. Uh, oh, it's just you know what it's it really is an excellent excellent movie i, I could not say yeah it, i'll be watching enough. it again 100 i'm kind of worried though we probably should keep it going because yeah i think I we should know. probably move on we're we're, we're we're i'm just looking at our clock here we're at about 70 minutes so we got another two movies to to get through so yeah definitely oh, are yeah, we going so to the untouchables guys let's do it yeah that's it let's, let's go do it untouchables untouchables i don't know yeah. i don't speak french <laughs> i think in america it's untouchable yeah it's like a but then Le again, Mans 66 I want, uh, and Fast yeah. Car and, uh, movie. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but is it like, is it because like, did they change it? Be, I don't know. If it, maybe it was Untouchables and the Americans I don't know. Maybe Untouchables because... is in French is Untouchables. It, yeah, it doesn't maybe matter. the Americans didn't. It doesn't, yeah, matter. It doesn't matter. They actually this remade the it for the, the Americans with oh, Kevin Hart and Brian Cranston. It's called The Upside. Apparently it's terrible. 
apparently it's so. But wait, so no, bad. that's not actually. The it is. It is. Line, is it? it is. It's the, no. it's a remake. Oh, of I it, didn't bro. know that they. I thought that it was just like a card. Like no, like they, no, they, they did it, but they weren't admitting no, that it was just it, a rehash. It's essentially the same script and all. Like, and it just got absolutely hammered. Everyone was like, "This is horrific. What have you done?" Like. Yeah, it's it's I, it. I I don't I don't do not believe that Kevin Hart could lift up Brian Cranston, but that's a whole <laughs> different fucking story. Okay, so basically, uh, the Untouchables is it's a story of contrasts and two people from different backgrounds coming together. Um, it's a beautiful movie. Um, it's a true story. So basically, as well. this it's a true story. Yeah. So um, basically, there's this out of luck um guy from the slums in Paris. Mm-hmm. And basically, he, he he's going around. He's applying for jobs, and he just wants to um, get like his get benefits. His, his benefits. He wants yeah. to get the doll, basically. And you know, he uh, like you see in the movie. Um, so the it's uh, Philippe and Driss. Um, so Philippe is uh, he's um, dis, he's a paraplegic and and in Qua- the, a, a quadriplegic, yeah. a quadriplegic. One of my favorite, one of my favorite jokes, one of my favorite jokes in the film is, uh, "Where do you find an invalid? Where's the best place to find an invalid? <laughs> where, where you left? The, where you left them? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like that, 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 that's another factor about this film that's just fucking amazing. The chemistry, between it's really the two funny. Chemistry yeah. between them, the, yeah. the chemistry is amazing. Yeah, yeah. So basically, Driss and uh, ends up. Uh, he thinks he's going there to get his. Um, his benefits but philippe actually uh, hires him and you know he he jumps straight into this job really and it's it's like it's not just like a simple film about oh how is you know just gonna get through this it's more of like the relationship that they build and everything that goes on between them and like one of my favorite things about this film yeah. is not everything works out you know yeah that that, yeah, that was exactly, one of my yeah. favorite aspects about this film like um when he's in the cafe waiting for the woman and you know it's you know he leaves and then you know you see her walking in yeah it's like yeah life doesn't always work out as you know it, it should and it's a very emotional film like it, it can it can be real teary um also very funny as well which i think yeah is it's 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 it's, like it's, it's, amazing, like, it's, it's really you know, funny contrast like, between the two well, what the stuff what I love about the story is as well is they obviously kind of sum it up in some of the dialogue is that Driss is you know from a really rough part of, of Paris yeah well yeah he's, he's he's from Senegal originally he was taken to Paris doesn't really know his parents he's from you know really rough part of Paris and I really like that as well because um, if you ever go to Paris it's absolutely beautiful but like any other city it has its, yeah. its poor areas and he's from the kind of I, I accidentally went one when I went to the Euros, I accidentally stayed in an Algerian ghetto in Paris. Oh my god! <laughs> and like just by like booking the wrong accommodation, but they were all lovely, like yeah, really nice yeah, people. Yeah, 100%. but yeah, it was really it is. There's like two. There's two very different and like opposing sides of Paris. Yeah, yeah well, that's but, um, it. Yeah, but but sorry, uh, before I let you go, turn. I was just gonna say that um, the whole point of the movie is that Driss in it doesn't have any pity for Philippe because Philippe is. Um, and multi-millionaire he's super wealthy but obviously he's a quadriplegic and that's tragic you know what i mean that's really sad but driss is like you know we all kind of have our own problems and yeah we've all got issues and it's great because you know you can see driss's point of view but then you do see that you know philippe is you know he has all his wealth and all but he's there's lots of things that he's been robbed of because he had the accident and even just as you say, Jack, yeah. him trying to find a relationship again, trying to meet a girl, meet meet a woman again, and all the insecurities that come with with being disabled, and you know, but Driss is like, you know, the character who's very much full of confidence, and you know, he's a young tonic to Philippe, who's kind of like, and they're they're almost like 
they're almost like brothers in a way. It's like they they have this kind yeah. of like and this really really good chemistry. And the two actors they cast were were incredible. Um, Omar Sy, who plays Driss, was incredible. I thought I thought he was a lot of fun in the film. He really uh, yeah he he had worked with the director before. He had on a, yeah. On a thing called Te- Telemann Proches. Mm-hmm. I've no, haven't seen or anything like that. But that's why they changed his character. Because the original dress was actually an Algerian, Algerian, uh, Algerian. That's right. Yeah. I, but they they wanted they wanted your man to play him. So they, they uh, changed. So they it. changed Omar size. So they they changed him to a Senegalese Senegal, man. Yeah. yeah. We, I just want to hop in here real quick and just mention the fact that this was not nominated for any Oscars. What? Not even international Shocking. film. I Shocking. am actually. I cannot believe that. I just I presumed also, all of these uh, movies won Oscars. I didn't even fucking check. Yeah. Because of I also, because I also of all of these, like, think, of all of these, this one's like the most Oscar type, the most mainstream. Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, like you this know? is such an accessible film for yeah. anyone. That is well, here's the thing. Here's the thing I got to say about this film. Uh, I I really don't have any criticisms about any of these films, except a slight one on this one. But I completely see why they did it. Was there was a lot of kind of other stories happening around them. I totally that agree. Were never, that were never fleshed out. Yeah, and I they didn't were never care really about the daughter. That the was daughter, the daughter. Yeah, yeah. I I came to the conclusion while I was watching it. I just my own little conclusion and kind of an excuse for the film because I enjoyed it so much was that all of the other people's issues in the film were just so trivial. Yeah, they didn't yeah. matter yeah. in comparison to Drish's poverty-stricken life and uh, Felipe Philippe's um, living living with living. Yeah, yeah. Like it's it, 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 they were all just trivial and they didn't matter and I think that was why it was all kind of joked about and different things like that. But I definitely think out of all the films, this is like as it unfolded, it wasn't as like meticulous compared to the other definitely. films. But I don't think that in any way takes away from the story because of how good their relationship was because that's essentially what it's about. Yeah, it's 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 a film that's about the story and it's it's the least interesting in terms of like you know cinematography and things than all the other ones we watch and things yeah yeah and like it's it's written very well in that you know like it's paced very well it just gets straight into it with the movie it doesn't go on too long and yeah it's it's a perfect length it's not it's not um it's a type of movie that could have been really overindulgent and self-indulgent but it it wasn't and it knew what to as you say it, it sacrificed um you know, not fleshing out the stories about, you know, the daughter and, you know, things like that. Yeah. But they clearly they clearly so, yeah. made those sacrifices so that it wouldn't be overindulgent. Like, and... like, but but it's just the way they approach it. I feel like if this was done, and this is back to Western films, I feel like if this was done in the West, it would be so dramatic and kind of heartbreaking. Whereas, like, the humour in this film makes it what it is, makes it such an excellent yeah. film. Like, the way that the daughter, who, like, we all think is just a trivialised part of the story, like, she doesn't matter. The way that she tries to kill herself with a modium yeah. actress comes in, Driss comes in and he's like, "God, you're gonna be you're gonna be constipated for, for a week." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just think like things like that. It just they make this film so excellent. Yeah. And the way Driss just doesn't acknowledge this life crippling disability, like yeah. this life stopping yeah. disability. Because he's and, seen shit just... too, and he sees that people are. What's good about that is, as you say, the bit with the daughter is, you know, he's probably seen ten times worse things, and you know. Well, if you yeah. if you heard some daughter like took took pills and tried to do something to, you know that that's obviously would probably be something that would be very you know upsetting for people but you know it's a little cry for attention in this movie and he's just like what do you have to do and like you're not going to do much damage with modium and a few and a, yeah, and a yeah, few tylenol yeah. like you know what I mean? tylenol as well yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no 
No, um, yeah, and like even you know what I also love about these films, and this was kind of true to Parasite as well. I can't. Life is beautiful as well, a little bit, but I feel like foreign films really are still kind of they take a different approach to humor in general. Definitely, it's a lot definitely. less conservative. It's definitely. more so they say absolutely, what they mean. Yeah. absolutely. And, like, like I can't even see when Kevin they were. Harris. Doing doing this kind of comedy with Brian Cranston, yeah, people yeah. like I have to do what with the Hooser? Q Q fire joke. People like oh, I love oh, not me. And Brian Cranston be like, do it now. like even the way that they're like shaving the Hitler mustache onto yeah, yeah. onto onto Philippe, and you can actually see both of the actors are loving it. Yeah, hundred percent. And that, that's what I that's what I love about this film. Yeah, well. the Philippe's chemistry and, is Philippe's so and bits real. like he's laughing. I, I, and I think that they're they're kind of glib about you know jokes around him being disabled and things like that because in a ways it's you know I'd imagine because this is based on. Um, you know Philippe's actual That's life, and and I, you know, it, it's actually an interesting thing to see. A lot of um, people who have suffered disabilities and stuff tend to have a very kind of dark sense of humor about it, and they they clearly well, want to make that a, a big part of it. Like, here's the thing: uh, the director Eric T- uh, Toledano, he received over three thousand letters from members of the disabled community saying thank you. For really? Yeah, really. Which just which just shows how impactful this this story clearly yeah. was. I mean, yeah. like, I love to, to, to because it, uh, to to be honest, the representation on, in film of disabled people it all it always is real pitiful. It you is. Know? It, it never is. Oh is. poor, you know, and oh they, poor this person. Look how yeah. sad their life is. You know, I mean, look how look how and, robbed. Yeah, geez, been. like they can be happy as well. Like, you yeah, know? like exactly. Philippe is always like, don't hit me with his bullshit you know like yeah. he fucking and hates that. he hates the other guy who comes to look after him he fucking hates him yeah. you hate him too he's just like get the but fuck like, out of my room yeah the thing is though i don't know about you guys but going back to what you were saying jack about when he's waiting for his date god that had my heart pumping yeah. like just oh, thinking so back fucking to like, anxious like pre-date nerves like and just imagining how much harder it, it would be, be in that situation in his position 100%, yeah. and i just i just think that like i've it was so effective in doing that the same way that uh, the same way that like city of god was so effective in like conveying the same when he's shooting the child's foot yeah it really does get into your emotions it really does play on you yeah. and you you can feel like you're you're putting yourselves in into the shoes that situation of someone yeah. who has who has like an, an unimaginable disability and it's just incredible that the film could let you do that for even a brief moment 100 percent. and i, I can't it, believe this film's over an hour and a half long it doesn't feel because like because you're just having such a good time watching it so and yeah, this is definitely the film that would be like the most mainstream out of the films we're talking about, and definitely the most accessible. I just can't see anyone not enjoying this film. It, well, well this the, is the thing, critic it's... reviews have fucking panned this. Really? Have they? Yeah, it had the highest it gets is an eighty-eight, then eighty, sixty-seven, then it goes sixty, oh, and then it goes down to twenty-twos. Now this is IMDb Whoa. on their meta score, but it has an eight point five. But I mean, oh, critics aren't always story, right. Yeah. On the, on the I just, I just want to. I think I've said this before. I think I've said this before. I just want to enunciate it again for any listeners who haven't heard me say this. <laughs> gonna do it again. But I go, I go and do reviews for like certain films for a, a film website in Ireland. And when I go, all of the top reviewers in Ireland are there in the screen with me, and I sit directly in the middle of the theater with the perfect <laughs> view, with the perfect view of the screen. Yeah, because all of the top film critics in Ireland sit in the front row. 
on the very corner, <laughs> on the edge of the row, beside the door. They are looking at the film at a diagonal perspective. <laughs> of course they don't like any of the films they're reviewing. Don't trust reviewers. They're all pretentious weenies. And they all wear, they all wear you know, the neck scarves oh. that are wearing. And they're wearing them in the cinema. Oh, weenies. <laughs> Weenies, yeah, and they've all got glasses and all. Yeah, I'm not getting into it. <laughs> <laughs> How dare they not be able to see? Well, fuck you, people. <laughs> well, I suppose like, what's the point of bringing glasses if you're watching the movie from a 45 degree angle? Like? <laughs> exactly. No, that is literally it. Like, and I'm always just baffled by the fact. And they all sit in a little group on the corner as well. I literally sit as far away from people. Do you want, like do you want to be part of the group, Tyrion? <laughs> I'm literally. Oh no! Like they all like, and pe- new reviewers try and get into the group and all, and I. I suppose I should for like networking, but there's no way I'm talking to those people. <laughs> there's no way I'm doing it because I actually I, I'm doing it for portfolio's sake. I actually really disagree with film film reviewers as a whole concept. I think they're all just yeah, extremely flawed. Film criticism. If you is, can't is do a review, one, yeah. you yeah. know. But um, back back to the untouchables. <laughs> back to the untouchables. <laughs> that's Tiernan's rant on the film criticism criticism industry. Yeah, <laughs> rant over. <laughs> but um, yeah, like as we said, this is easily the most accessible one, and it's it's kind of your, in a way, it's probably my least favorite of the lot because. And that's and, and that's not shitting on it in any way because it is an excellent. That d- movie. in no way takes away from. No, it. yeah, it just I just think it's the least. It's probably the least interesting in terms of like storytelling style. It's a very nuclear story. Like it's, it's, you know, there's no kind of overarching message like there is in the rest of the films. Yeah, exactly. It's. I mean, there is. It's just done to like a much more humorous, lighthearted sense. But like, again, this not taken away from this film. Uh, this film is still so incredible and like a uh, must watch for people yeah just the other films and, are just and so good. what we're gonna say about as well when we get into life is beautiful all these films are incredibly emotive and really personal and yeah. uh for, for yeah. one that and so different and so different and so different and if for one out of all these i must say that that will just make you feel good it's the untouchables it is it is your quintessential feel good film i have to say like i i was just in yeah. such a good mood as yeah. I watched it like it's just such a great story like yeah I mean I mean th- this film is a real feel good film and like City of God would be a kind of horrifying film <laughs> and, like, lives of others it's just so really tragically think, sad yeah. like yeah so exactly tragic. So, but then Life is Beautiful will make you cry too yeah <laughs> exactly so, I mean, like, they exactly. all they're all so different ways of just of just getting into your brain and getting getting you getting your feeling yeah exactly. yeah should we should we exactly. get on to the final film guys yeah let's definitely do it let's do it yeah my, my round took away there <laughs> go watch untouchables <laughs> um yeah let's get but, into uh, it let's life into is it. beautiful i i just want to say roberto bianini in this film is incredible and if you haven't seen it guys go watch his so this film was nominated for uh i think it was like the majority of the Oscar categories, it, I think it was it, seven it, or something. It was, it was and as well. It was it at the time. Three. Yeah, it was a groundbreaking film at the time. Well, in terms of that, it was one of the few that was getting nods for best actor, best director, best foreign language film. You know, all these multiple characters because Roberto Benigni, um directed and directed and starred in it. Yeah, yeah. So he's fantastic. On. And, and it, it won best actor in a leading role, best music, original dramatic score, and best foreign language film. And you should go and watch. Roberto Benigni accept his Oscar. Oh, it's most, brilliant. Oh, it's incredible. It's brilliant. Have you seen it, Ian? It's I did. The most, it's it's incredible. the loveliest thing ever. He He's so unbelievably ecstatic to be there. And I mean, this <laughs> is just, he deserves it, though. It, you, should, you know what he, people should do? People should watch that clip before they watch Life is Beautiful because 
that yeah, encaps- that encapsulates Roberto Benini in every single way. This guy is larger than life. He just strikes me he as is. the mo- he is in love with life. He is just absolutely. I mean, he, in love. He, he yeah, what a positive say that. What a positive I, guy. I, I, yeah, he'd love to bring everyone in the room of the Oscars to Jupiter, <laughs> and they all make love. And he said that on stage. Uh, but like he he also like doesn't speak English, so I don't know what he thought that meant. Yeah, was was that his famous speech <laughs> yeah, where he said, um, "I use I used up all my English." Like he's thanking all my, people. All my English. Yeah, yeah, he's like, "I use up all my English." <laughs> <laughs> he's so he's literally like he's, he's so, so Italian. Italian. He's so Italian. The yeah. most cliche Italian. Yeah, movie, but yeah. um. I mean, th- this film is so gorgeous. They did it in a style that makes it feel like it's from the 30s. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. I thought this film was from the 30s. I thought this was like a classic <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It I is, only it found is, out. It, it is filmed very kind of like... I feel like I'm watching like a 1960s film yeah. that's on like uh, T.G. Cahir in your <laughs> fucking living room. Yeah, on a, Sunday, on a Sunday at fucking 2 p.m. Like, yeah, but... It is um, 1997 and it... I don't know why why they did that why they did that style wise I suppose to capture the time but they also did it with the comedy in the film as well because it's it's such slapstick comedy yeah it's screwball it humor essentially it's, it's screwball humor yeah it's like Ch- Charlie Chaplin kind of yeah you know, kind of humor it's, with it's, talking it's the you slapstick know? it's that the Marx Brothers yeah. you know there's all that you can tell Roberto Benigni took huge influence from those guys and the thing about that is as well I want to just say before we really get into it is that type of comedy is actually very very difficult it is not easy to do that type of comedy yeah and when you see how how meticulous like i mean they seem so kind of silly and and stupid but when you see when you're when you're planning those jokes and to put them on screen the the meticulous planning that goes into those to make them land and make sure that they're funny is really really difficult and it just it's so subtle as well so and subtle, like yeah. all of the little jokes that i like because even within the big slapstick jokes there's always little subtle hints of meaning behind them yeah. and like little little ongo things but um yeah th- this film the way again like it, it, it kind of like the uh, lives of others this film just approaches it, what it's trying to convey like it's subject material in such a unique way and it, like i've never seen anything like it before this is this is this would be one of my top ten films. I, I think so too. My this is my first it's time. Definitely my, it takes my first a time turn. It. it does. So we yeah. should probably give a bit of background. So it's about Roberto Benini is an Italian actor and director. He's kind of a comedy for years. This was his big movie, and essentially it's about him. He moves to this little Italian town to take over his uncle's uh, bookstore, and he you know meets a beautiful woman. And what I love about this movie is like I knew what this movie was about in, in some ways. And then I watched it and it was nothing like I expected. So the first, you know, hour of the film is about him moving to this town in Italy in back in whatever it was, late 30s, early 40s. Um, you know, wartime is going on. But, you know, that's kind of secondary to it. And there's little jokes about it and it things like that. But it's about him and, um, you know, his the, the, the love story with his wife in it, which is I the most charming hour of a movie I've ever seen. It's so romantic. Gorgeous, isn't it? It's so Gorgeous, romantic. Yeah. And it took me back to... Um, to a movie funny enough um, It's a Wonderful Life um, you know the Jimmy Stewart yeah. film and you know how the first yeah. hour of that movie is about him and his wife and how they met and it's so quaint and it's it's such an old style of making movies that was so innocent and it's so so well done I mean I, I... The, fir- the first hour of this film is, is is exactly that it's just so innocent and I think I think what they were trying to get at before they went through it because uh, as the film progresses it does m- move away from 
from that love story. hundred percent into into World War Two, and then you know in, but, internment and things like that. And you know, I think what he was trying to get at is just showing how these people are really people. You know, they're not just numbers on an arm. They are they are these like lo- love filled people who had lives that was completely just intruded on by them, this war. From them, yeah. exactly, and. I, I'm more... The story is like essentially Roberto Benigni in a in like the later end of the story in an internment camp in a in a concentration camp with his son and he's still trying to keep that kind of romanticism alive from his previous. Yeah, life. he he's he, he shielding kind of yeah. he's son. shielding his son from the horrors that are going on around them and it's you know it captures I think everything about Roberto Benigni because it's about him you know holding on to the fact that life this there's, there's so much good in life as well and and that's what's so good about the movie because as we will get into you know the second half is so dark and all but roberto benini i believe he he took a lot of inspiration from this movie from a trotsky quote and um, he was yeah, trotsky yeah, quote, yeah he was that russian writer who you know was was interned and ultimately killed by stalin which was terrible but while he was um in prison he saw he was you know stuck and he, this was horrible and he looked out the fucking window and he saw his wife uh, out doing gardening and he was like you know this all this horrible stuff's going on but at the end of the day life is beautiful and that's what the that's what the movie is about it's about you know hor- yeah, horrible things happen so much things happen and you know they'll continue to happen they will happen but at the end of the day life itself is is there's so much good in life to enjoy yeah. and it, I, that's what the first despite it all, the, despite all the first hour is so good at capturing that and just the vibrance and the happiness and the you know it's just imagine, imagine being in Mexico and you're Trotsky and you're just after getting away from like Stalin and you know that you're being a scapegoat in your own country. In your own to fucking just country, yeah. Take everyone's freedom and you're just waiting, watching your wife in the uh, garden for Stalin to, to just come, come and, and get you. Like horrible, <laughs> like, horrible. <laughs> I'm thinking life is beautiful, but yeah, I can really see how that would be like a powerful inspiration mm. towards this film, a hundred percent. Well, and like l- it's a, it's extremely powerful, like. It, I mean, is. it is. It is. Yeah. Like, and, and it sets it sets up the dominoes just to fucking knock them all over. It really does. And what's what's actually really good about it is, you know, uh, you don't think he can maintain the slapstick humor in a concentration camp setting. And this is where, yeah. but he but he does. You know, even like the but he does. Yeah, you know, he, he does completely. He, he's carrying the anvil and stuff, and I mean, it's not particularly funny. But he, you know, he's kind of like, you know. Like oh, I'm gonna no, I'm gonna drop completely... this no you know it's it's too hot in here you know how am I supposed to do this this is ridiculous blah 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 and like it's like something from a Marx Brothers movie when you're watching it like and yeah. Uh, yeah. even the scene where Laurel you know, and Hardy um, like yeah hundred percent that Laurel and Hardy humor like and uh, yeah. when but he... the tone the tone within the slapstick as soon as he's in the concentration camp like the change of setting also completely changes the slapstick because you're looking at it in a really emotional way yeah you know? you're watching you're not looking at it you're watching them and I think with these the, things for like the Nazis, without yeah. the initial. Yeah, without the initial like slapstick like humor and like the comedy elements of the first hour, it wouldn't have such an emotional effect on you. Hundred percent. Still doing that slapstick 100%. inside the concentration camp, and like I love it. Like we're talking about, you were talking about meticulousness in the slapstick humor, like the the way that he protected his son, like he he sheltered his son from like what was happening around him, like through the slapstick comedy was. The most incredible thing ever, wasn't it? I, I don't know how they came up well, with the idea. What's great like about it is as well is what's it. great about it as well is they they set up similar similar scenarios early on in the movie where you know he's trying to woo his wife, who's his real life wife in real life. We said and exactly, and yeah. she, you know, in the in the story, she's kind of betrothed to marry this um, um, Italian government official who's obviously a fascist and he's high up in the thing and all, but 
he woos her and all, but he sets up all these jokes, like you know the bit with the the Mary the key thing, and then you know I'm gonna wish I'm gonna wish for something, and it's you know I it's gonna happen, yeah. and they set up that joke, and it, it's brilliant because all these things are happening at the start of it, like the key thing and all, and you're kind of like, oh, why is that happening? And it, they reincorporate them all into those jokes that night he spends with her, you know, and uh, it's just so or if you like, it's it's so fucking good the way it's done, but like I was gonna say how they translate that then to the son you know like he's in the the concentration camp and the guy comes in he's like who can translate german to italian and he yeah it's a fucking hilarious he, he translates yeah. he translates the italian it's it's so funny and it's it's just so, he so jumps on it, yeah it's, it's just incredible but he um uh no the way that like yeah no that that's a brilliant as well though isn't it the way he just hops up and he starts pretending to understand german yeah. and just like convinces his son that it's, it's a competition it's a competition and that's what yeah. i was gonna say like like how he just like off the cuff mentions that if you win this competition you get a tank, get a tank and yeah. then that obviously that yeah that, that that's the plant and then it obviously pays off yeah, in the end which yeah. is not to ruin anything but like it it is just they, they they really thought this through. I mean, this is the type of film that is so like structured in a way that seems so casual and so like accessible. Yeah, because well. those type of jokes are all about the setup and then the payoff. And you know, you can still see that comedy done today. It's not as common. One thing I was actually funny enough I was going to say is I've been rewatching a bit of um, the IT Crowd recently, and they were very. That show was very good for that kind of old style comedy where you you establish a kind of a joke at the start, and then there's going to be a payoff. And you know, this film is full of that. But um, yeah. I mean, what's what's even great was, um, you know, you're watching he's he's running away from the Nazis and they've got the spotlight and he's like he's climbing up the wall and all. And like, that's literally something you would see in a 1930s slapstick movie. You know what I mean? But exactly. It's, yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's just so and then it hits you like a fucking brick wall because yeah. what happens after? Because yeah. you're like, yeah. oh, fuck. Like this, this is it, this is it's a, a comedy set in like uh, uh, the two contrasts between the two it's just crazy it is yeah it's it's incredible the way that they decided to actually like approach provoking emotion through comedy rather than through this through this physical comedy rather than like the regular uh, the regular formula of how you go about telling a joke and it, it I, don't, I don't know how he came up with the idea to do this <laughs> like oh is, i know like i mean on paper that you watch this is the kind of thing that and could you're just be flabbergasted by how good it is how good it is from start to finish and you know, we, we talked about this with, um, you know, Jojo Rabbit. And you see, the thing about Jojo Rabbit is as well, as I think Pete, that will ha- that movie is going to have a very good retrospective look on it because Jojo Rabbit's humor is very modern humor. It's very Taika Waititi humor. Um, yeah. And obviously people knew that there was going to be a risk there. And, you know, we went on about how, how much we liked Jojo Rabbit. But Life is Beautiful was an old style of humor. And this was back when I don't think anything ever had really been done like that, where you were going to tackle something as tragic as the Holocaust and actually set, you know, set your movie in a concentration camp or, or the latter half of your film in a concentration camp. Well, Schindler's List was was before this, I believe. Yeah, but that's not a, that's, that's, that's not a, it's not a comedy. Oh, sorry. Yeah, not, not a comedy. Do not watch yeah, Schindler's no. List thinking it's going to be a comedy because you will be... Yeah. <laughs> you will be... But I couldn't believe that Schindler's List was before this because of just like how old this film looks. Feel, so yeah, I actually love yeah. the way that he approached it so old. I don't know. I, I, I'm not going to say that was budgetary reasons. Like we, I know that we've said before 
that artistic choices is usually down, down to budget but, um, reasons. But no, you're right, Taren, and I think this was probably a... But you see, I think of it as maybe... Because if you watch any post-war movie, there's such an innocence about them because, you know, the kind of psyche behind Hollywood after the war was people don't want to be sad. People don't want to be sad anymore. It's just... Yeah. It's been so hard. Yeah, happy, like, you know, happy, to, happy Happy thoughts. Shit. You know, exactly. Like, you know, one of the big ones, and it's one of my favourite movies, and you so know it's post-war, is uh, Singing in the Rain. And... Yeah. it's just this whimsical and everyone's nice and everyone's funny and you can tell Roberto Benigni loves that kind of genre of film and he's obsessed with it and he, he's he's yeah. a master and of incorporates it and he yeah. how we can incorporate that in and and still stick to I'm going to tell a very tragic story but maintain the innocence that came from post-war cinema like it's it's just it's a it's a real double whammy of a film I must say well, that's it. I mean, like, Shinner's this is kind of like, because post-war also also sparked, like, the noir yes, uh, genre yes, of cinema. Yes. So, like, the really, it, it was, like, polar opposites. It was really happy, and then the, me, yeah, don't and think then, about sadness. Exactly. And then noir, which was, like, nothing is, nothing nothing is worthwhile. Is, yeah. And uh, <laughs> so, like, he like Schindler's this is kind of, like, approaching a, a, the Holocaust in a noir sense. In a noir sense, sense and then, like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, then, yeah, yeah and then uh, this film is definitely the more lighthearted kind of, let's have a laugh in this concentration camp yeah i know i know and like what's 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 great about it is as well is as i said is i i knew i had an, an inkling of what the, what the movie was about but i wasn't expecting the majority of the film or, or or just about the majority of the film not to take place in the in the concentration camp you know a full hour of it is just roberto benini and going around and, and having all these whimsical jokes in in italy and yeah i, I mean what from the from the offset I, I i actually burst out laughing you know when he uh you know, he keeps stealing your man's hat and things like that. And uh, yeah, and he's like, he has that little line. He goes, um, you know, oh, these are very difficult times. And he goes, oh, well, you know, what are your politics? And he doesn't really hear him. And he goes, he calls out to his two sons, Adolf and Benito. <laughs> and uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it just tells you everything you need to know in that one joke. And it's just, you know, it's, it's absolutely excellent. Exactly. Like, and then one of the most yeah. crushing scenes is when he runs into the, um, the doctor that he knew before. Oh, it's excellent. And Absolutely like he thinks excellent. he's going to be able to get his son out of here and that everything there, will be yeah. fine. And then the doctor is fucking obsessed with his stupid with riddle. With stupid that riddle. Him earlier that was, the, yeah, that movie. really. I was, was like, really I was like, that had me fucked after that. Yeah. Like, like yeah. dangling hope yeah. in front of him. And yeah. Was, yeah. And, and I was and like, oh, because of, of the style of this movie, I was like, oh, grand. Everything's going to be fine. This is how it's going to go. Yeah. And and they could have gone that way with it because it was obviously it's it is a feel good movie, but there is really you know dark moments of it, and it does it does hit yeah. you hard. But you know what was great about that doctor scene was that it just showed you how you know it didn't matter about your past if you knew these people. Like they were they were wiping that from you. You know the Nazis were wiping that from the Jews. Their past, their humanity, you know everything about them. You know it was it doesn't matter that I knew you before and we got along fine. This is where we're going now, and that's what I believe. And it's. It's it's heartbreaking and it's but as you say, Roberto Benigni, the fact that he could he he could he could convey the happiness of life in in such a dark time is it's such a well, monumental they, yeah. task. It's such a monumental. The, the kind of like the approach he took to this film, it, why it's so effective is because it's such a mixed approach. Yeah you get such mixed emotions throughout the entire film yeah. i mean like you're laughing you're crying and then there's that really reaffirming moment towards the, the end, end that yeah you're just, you're like, just like, like oh, you know what like life life, life is, is beautiful, beautiful you know? <laughs> yeah <laughs> it i is like the way it ends yeah. as well it's just I, like yeah, it's, it's so it's, old school just like 
that's boom, that, that freeze shot, frame, the go. freeze frame. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah, absolutely. yeah. Out of all these films, uh, I think that this is definitely the most like thought provoking and emotion provoking film, and it definitely the most impactful on me. Anyway, I, I I think this is my favorite out of the four. I'm gonna agree with you. I'm gonna agree with you. Um, I up until I'd, I'd only seen Life as Beautiful as this week, first time seeing it. Up until that, it was probably City of God. Um, I although as much as I love the lives of others, but I really love City of God. And then I saw this, and I was like, I agree with that as well. Yeah, you know, I was like, this has everything. This is a film that has absolutely everything. Everything, and I, doesn't and I, it? Everything. And, and, yeah, and I get it when Ian. Yeah. Yes. Uh, do we agree on a, <laughs> on a formation? <laughs> this is the first time this has ever happened. This is the first time this has oh ever happened. Oh my so god! You, you agree then? Uh, life is beautiful. Uh, City of God. Lives of others, and then the Untouchables. Uh, that, that's that's yes, exactly what that's, mine is that's, as well. That's so it's like the perfect trifecta. <laughs> this is that's not this good. Is the, the universe is going to split open and consume us yeah. all. <laughs> that's so Cthulhu. weird. Because that's the. Oh no! Sorry, that's not the IMDb. Untouchables is ahead of Lives of Others. We nearly disagreed with IMDb. TV, which I kind of would have been disappointed <laughs> in ourselves if we did. Yeah, but, too. No, that's good. We have a bit of a mix yeah, there. Yeah. Um, anyway, we. I think we're coming along pretty yeah, we're, late we're, now. We're, we're, yeah, we're coming in pretty. Close. I really got into those four films. It's it's so annoying that we did four. I wish that we didn't do four. I wish that we just did like two in real depth because like these films have so much you could say yeah. so much about. Well, maybe yeah. we'll do it again. They are, they are if, fantastic. Hopefully, this opens um, some of our listeners' um, horizons to some foreign film. And if you you know if this episode is received well, we could do another one and we could maybe shorten the amount of movies we do and go over something a little yeah, bit more absolutely. niche. Yeah. Well, yeah, in our I'd love, Instagram I'd love to do over. <laughs> yeah that, well that's very it's good but uh, over our instagram uh the last week we've been doing netflix recommendations so i prepared three films that are on netflix that we can recommend that are foreign language films and i think they are all three of them are excellent films brilliant and uh, i think this is will be the last of our recommendations for the month anyway so um it's probably good to start uh, to do to give the people some foreign language films that are accessible and on netflix because i think these four are pretty hard to find I heard that you spent like 12 euro jack renting them all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, um, God forbid. Anyway, I'm going to start with a recently added The Platform. Oh, which yes. Which is... I watched Portuguese. that. Pretty I think good. it's a Spanish language film. It's, it's Spanish, very, yeah, yeah. yeah. it's very like um, Snowpiercer in a sense. It's vertical and... Snowpiercer in Spanish. <laughs> It's, ver- it's vertical Snowpiercer, except it's really. I think. I think it's almost more effective than Snowpiercer. I think this is a better film than Snowpiercer, in my opinion. So it, it is a jail, which is kind of a jail. You can volunteer to go for it too. You can get your degree by going to to it, which is strange. And uh, I, the main character uses it to quit smoking. You go to this place for six months. You are in a cell with one other person on the other side of the cell. And in the middle of your cell is a platform that comes down every day. And there are 300 and plus levels to this. You don't really know how much levels there are. I think it says it at the end of the film, but you don't really know. And at the first level, you start... Uh, at the first level, a Michelin star ref- restaurant prepares this meal for everyone. And as it goes down the tiers, everyone gets to eat for a certain amount of time. And then it keeps going down. And it's a really good commentary on class disparity yes, yeah. very like Snowpiercer mm. in that sense mm. but it's really well done really clever really cool style wise and uh, 
every month they get rearranged in, on the platforms. So you could start off at platform six and get a load of food, or you could be plus a hundred and have to eat your cellmate. But um, <laughs> really, really good film. I'd seriously recommend it. It's very kind of out there. It's not pretentious or anything, though. Very easy watch at the same time. And the next film I'm gonna uh, recommend is very pretentious, not very, accessible. not very accessible at all. But it is an incredible film, Ian. I'd say you love this film. It is Roma. Oh is, yes, uh, I, yeah. I've really know, been meaning to watch that for a while. Yeah. It is something to knock off the list, man. Yeah. This is an incredible film. It is a film about a year in the life of a maid in Mexico for kind of like upper class family. Mm. And again, same story is same story, different film as platform. It is about class disparity and the different things that like. Uh, what these classes deal with in their day-to-day yeah, lives yeah. but more so than the story itself it's a gorgeous film it's in black and white everything is shot at a wide angle everything is the camera pans through everything it almost feels like it's on stage yeah, like yeah. i kind of like it's got that kind of when it whenever it's indoors it's kind of like you're in a dollhouse yeah, and it's going from yeah, room to room yeah. you know it's it's a really beautiful film and it won three oscars i believe one best picture a, a did it I don't. I, I did it win best picture. It won best director, best international. It may not have won. It may not have won, won best picture. To be fair. No, I don't. I don't think. Oh it won no, best it picture, didn't. Green, it Green Book did. Film. Yeah, yeah. And this was. Um, yeah. Was it um, Alfonso Cuarón? Yeah, I love him. I absolutely yeah. love him. Alf- Alfonso Cuarón. He's yeah, great. Yeah. yeah. And I can't recommend that enough. It is definitely a film that you're gonna look at and be like, God, that is a heavy watch, but it's really worth it. And it is really like I. I'd put it up in the category the same as the films we just discussed. Excellent. Not to the same level, but really, really close to it. Yeah. Really close to it. Yeah. It is. It's so worth watching, and it's a. Uh, it's a, it's a very beautiful piece of film. Kind of like it, it looks better than the lighthouse, and the lighthouse looked gorgeous. You know. Yeah, yeah. But uh, then the last film I'm gonna talk about is, uh, first they killed my father. By Angelina Jolie, oh. really enough, which it surrounds the Khmer Rouge uh, genocide. Oh, in, in Cambodia. Uh, Cambodia, yeah, wow. Yeah, this film, it's, I, it's, I, I wouldn't have watched it other than the fact that I was in Cambodia. But it's so interesting to see how this, like, we we just talked about a Holocaust film, how overdone the Holocaust is, and how overcome that genocide is when an enormous genocide took happened. place. Yeah, like the killing fields took yeah. place so much more recently than the Holocaust and obviously uh, maybe it wasn't as close to home but it, it is horrifying Horrific what, what they did it, and, and Angelina Jolie tells it through the story of this little girl this little Cambodian girl and it, it is it's really powerful I wouldn't always agree with Angelina Jolie being the director but like she, 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 she did, did a, a very job, good job yeah. she did a good job yeah. she did an excellent job it's a, it's a very very interesting film and to be honest, I, it, it really highlights how much America has just fucked up this world because they spilled into Cambodia. <laughs> they did. Like, you know the did. way we talked yeah, about Vietnam, it in Vice? Yeah, yeah. They did. They, they, they. Henry Kissinger being like, well, we just got to do it. We just got to yeah, drop, <laughs> drop a few bombs on Cambodia. <laughs> we're, we're dropping a few bombs on Cambodia. It's going to happen. That actually was what inspired the Khmer Rouge Rebellion oh, yeah. and what led to it. created this like yeah. agrarian sense of getting everyone out of the cities. And they killed two million people because of it. And maybe Jesus. that's why we don't see it in Western cinemas. Yeah. But it's nice to see someone, that uh, and especially a Western, someone tackled and it. a Western actress. You know, Angelina Jolie, a very much a Hollywood mainstay. Yeah. So yeah, interesting. Well, those are and great is, recommendations. To be fair, I'm very you've you've sold those to me very very well. <laughs> yeah, I I, I so, yeah. I also have a recommendation. Uh, it's I just saw it come up there on my Netflix, and we'll end the podcast on this. But it is a horror film. 
It was made in 2018. It's called Climax, and it follows a group of French oh, professional dancers. And this someone is Gaspar spikes the punch. This is Gaspar now. And um, it's Spike with psychedelics and people's worst fears come true. And it's great film. Watch it. Um, I watched it a couple of weeks ago. Really enjoyed it. If uh, it's like our modern horror episode. But yeah, get on it. It's on Netflix. It just came on. It's under international films. Um, so Lovely. go for it. That. Yeah, amazing. so go for it. And they're all professional dancers in real life. So it's just fucking amazing. Like what so, they can do and everything is just fantastic. But let's we'll put these recommendations up on Instagram. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Finish yes. the podcast. Absolutely. There. Yeah, Absolutely. definitely. Uh, so as always, guys, thank you so much for listening. Uh, if you could please give us a follow at the full feature on Instagram, uh, there we'll have, um, I think we're going to do a poll in the next couple of weeks, guys, um, or the next couple of days. So I think we're probably going to do Pixar films. Um, we'll also post Netflix recommendations, more movie content and everything else. Uh, if you could please give us a five star review on Apple podcasts and give us a follow on uh, Spotify, we'd be so so grateful we do a podcast every tuesday where we talk about our favorite films and everything else so yeah thank you so much guys and we will see you next week next week we're doing john hughes yes john hughes so if you are a fan of john hughes ferris bueller days off or anything along those lines come and join us as well yes matthew broderick will be there